Thank you for riding on Nerd Thug Radio. You must be 42 inches in order to ride this ride. Please fasten your safety belts. Pull your chest restraints down until they lock. Keep hands and feet inside the roller coaster at all times. And once again, thank you for choosing Nerd Thug Radio. Texas, the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com, and we're going to be transitioning on July 18th. Circle the date right now. The week Pull over. Of, the week Stop over. what you're doing. Put down everything. July 18th, 104.5, 106.1, the heart of Montgomery County. Conroe's very own Nerd Thug Radio. For right now, you can catch us on IRLoneStar.com. All our past episodes are on there. As well I, as iTunes. As well as iTunes. I am Joey Savage, the captain, sitting here with... Corey DLG. Today we've got a special guest with us, Zach Attack. That's right. Angry Zach is done. This is straight up Zach Attack. Filling in for Nico, who's in Colorado doing only God knows what. To God knows who. To God knows who. Hey, Corey. Hey, Tennille. Hey, Zach. Because <laughs> you're Captain. Yeah, Captain. No, I got it. That's cool. No, it's cool. I think it's Captain and Tennille. I don't know. I did that. It's a delight to be here. It's a delight for Zach. Zach, we're glad to have you. Working on my <laughs> anger issues. <laughs> Sick of hearing how terrible a person I am via a podcast person. and radio broadcast, so I'm working on some anger management. I'm going through some things. Awesome. So, so guys, we have basically the biggest microphone in the world because we're so popular, so we can just say whatever we want about people and just ruin their lives. Sure, that's exactly right. That's what Corey likes to do. That's right. dead on how it works. And and from what I understand about consequences and repercussions, there aren't any if you're on broadcast media. There's not none. You can say whatever Nothing you bad want. has ever happened to anyone who's ever said whatever they feel like saying. Agreed. You want to say? Say it to us. Facebook.com backslash nerd thug radio. Oh, uh, but but really just go to Joey's page. Don't, don't yeah, because Corey doesn't do much. But you can catch Corey on Twitter <laughs> every once in a while. DLG, what's your Twitter handle? Corey DLG at Corey DLG yeah, on the right. Twitter. I got the unofficial Instagram page, Joey.savage15. Zach, you want anybody talking to you on social media? No. Uh, awesome. Here we go. So, guys. <laughs> I do not, in fact, want that. Excellent. Excellent. Um, anything, anything exciting happened this week? Um, Actually, you I've know. i got a rundown of things, so you better hurry and get it going. Oh, you Go ahead, then. Go ahead, because I was actually just going to play with what we talked about last week. So we, we spotlighted uh, Injustice. I forget what episode it was, but this week they released the a new trailer, trailer for Injustice <laughs> 2 on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox. Now, see, I think I saw a different trailer than you, because you were telling me what you saw. You you saw the one when you said there was like a villain that popped up at the end. No, I didn't see that one. Oh, okay. okay. So the only one I saw was probably the one you saw, was Superman, The Flash, Batman, Supergirl. Correct. And Aquaman. Where the armors keep morphing. Yes. yes. But they okay. did announce that um, Atrocity and... And Gorilla Grodd would be in this game, which is going to be pretty sweet. So I'm excited about that, but there's all, they always pick characters that sometimes have like weird translations. Like Atrocitus is really easy to do in a video game because yeah. they already did Green Lantern, they already did Sinestro, and he's just a red version with like barfy effects. <laughs> that um, sounds great. Yeah, the red lanterns they puke everywhere. I don't know why that's a thing. That can't be right. No, no. I feel is. like you guys are messing with me because I maybe don't know much about the lantern maybe cores as you. Transition to space life yet. <laughs> no. Surely like, Red Lantern's power is not barfing. No, they're so angry that they literally spew bile as ah. they as they fight and stuff. That's horrifying. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, pretty much. So they're Red Lantern-y with like constructs and all that, and right. then they also and then also bile. Yeah. But this is going to be the largest cast of characters on a DC fighting game. 
See, that's that's what's exciting. Except here's my problem with Gorilla Grodd is that really who doesn't want to fight with a gorilla? Well, that's the thing. Is other than just being a big gorilla, he's telepathic. So like, yeah. what are you gonna do? You're gonna do like mind control well, and fight like, punch people? Right. He now he's just a gorilla. He's just say babies with him. Gorilla. That's my biggest complaint. And and I don't play a ton of video games, and I certainly you don't should. play a ton of okay. I certainly don't play a ton of fighting superhero video games. However, my biggest complaint is that in the video game world, and I understand that there's no way around this, but telepathy always equals telekinesis. Right. If somebody has telepathy in a comic book, then in a video game they can knock people down with their mind. Right. That's Which not accurate. Always, yeah. And I get why they have to do it, but let's maybe leave out can, the telepaths. Maybe they can mind control themselves to punch themselves. Well, you know what would be cool? Like if they... If they right. That'd be, that'd be I'd be into that. Right? Or like they use the telepathy to like trick them. So almost like instead of they'd be like a stealth fighter, like they kept like appearing differently on the map. So they'd be like nightcrawler just bamping around. Right, but looking we'll get like different. Later. Yeah, we will. Looking like different people. Like I don't know. We're, we're gonna get to you later. Like we're threatening it. It owes me. $20. But it'd be cool if you could like mind control the other person and doing their own special on themselves. Right. That would be great. Or or like killing innocents. I don't know if that would play into the game. Or hanging or themselves. Yeah. Right. There you go. Bam. Wow. <laughs> It went, it went from video game violence to tragic story of your childhood so quickly. I mean, like, video games, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hang yourself. So the game looks sweet. It's coming out 2017. Uh, E3 should be coming out pretty soon. But I hear so, they're not going to do a whole lot. They got to. Well, here's what's interesting is you're going to see a lot of trailers and stuff for things, obviously, in E3. But all the big games you're about to see trailers for, they're saying a lot of those aren't featured at this year's E3. So, and the, and the reason for that is because PlayStation is doing an upgraded one and a half version with the yeah, higher frame rate. They just uh, said it today. It's got a cool name. I forget what it's called. But essentially, they're just they're just they're going one and a half on the processing power, yeah. so they can keep up with the uh, the total immersion games, the three D ones. And then also beyond that, the 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 new Wii. Yeah, that's not coming out till late twenty seven or twenty eighteen. So right. That's not gonna so so you're not going to see so you're not going to see a lot of stuff this year. Because everyone's already moved ahead to those new consoles. I feel like, and, and again, I'm not a big, big video game guy, but I feel like be. now, okay, <laughs> I feel like nowadays that there's such a long lead time between the announcement of video games and the release of video games. Yeah, yeah, there, I think video games run a big, big risk when they do stuff like that. Video games company, companies run a big risk because all of that momentum that they get from the first trailer, all of that momentum they get from the first article or the leak or whatever, it can only build to such a point Before and then people are like, Jesus, when's the game coming out? Well, and that's what happens. Uh, Fallout 4 went the other way. They went ninja. Everyone knows the Fallout franchise. Everyone loved Fallout 3 on the PlayStation. 3 and the Xbox 360. So then as news started to leak that Bethesda, the gaming company, was about to make a big announcement, they were actually listing a couple possibilities. People were like, oh, they might do a new Skyrim, or maybe they're going to do a new Fallout finally. Then they announced an E3 Fallout 4, and it actually comes out about four and a half months later because they've been working on it since Fallout 3 came out, and they just hadn't told anybody. But then the flip side of that, Undercover Brother. So the flip side of that, though, is that No Man's Sky is a game that I've been waiting for for two years. Yeah. The, the developing company is only about nine people. Never heard of it. It's also no, no, I told you about this game. The game is actually, they used, they created a series of rules. They taught it to the computer. The computer oh, ruled galaxy. It'll actually take someone. You over, mean in the game they did this, or somebody did this to a game? Someone, someone in real life, this nine-man crew, they said, we can't create a galaxy, but we can create physics, teach it to a computer, and have and the then see what happens. create the galaxy. Whoa. So yeah, they've actually seen evolutions of creatures that they didn't program into the game occurring naturally on the planet. And that's scary. There was another game like that years ago, or a book I read with a game like that years and years ago, and part of the game was 
it wasn't to to fight or to even survive. It was to direct evolution. Ah, okay. And this game is strictly about exploration, and they say it's going to take millions of gameplay hours to actually discover all the planets and all the the worlds and universes. Sounds pretty epic. So the thing of it is, though, with the nine man crew. They're essentially just testing the code they built to make sure it creates a, a graphically representative world. It's not just all one kind of planet or another. Yeah. And it's taken them two years to test. To get to the point now, the game was supposed to release this month, and uh, about a month and a half ago, they announced a seven-week delay to August. Jeez. When they announced that seven-week delay, now keep in mind, people have known about this game for a year and a half and been waiting and waiting, like you mentioned. When they announced the seven-week delay, the reporter who broke the story received death threats. Jesus. Crazy. Because it, it, it turns. It right, turns it around. does. It becomes, and it's also, I think, a risk with movies. You see in movies now, right, the very end trailer, right, the the secret trailer at the end of the credits the now scene. is becoming an expectation for fans. So they know that next piece is coming. Then they are over-worried about how long it's taking or why yeah. haven't we heard anything or right. what's taking so long with production. It starts to work against whatever's being produced. Well, I definitely think Marvel kind of plays into what you're saying where they've announced films for four years out right definitely so now you know what's coming out right like why do i know what's coming out in marvel 2019 right 2020 2021 like why do i know that right that's not anything i need to know as a consumer marvel thing it's a disney because disney does the same thing well but it was this was marvel slate marvel had been announcing these things disney's done done whatever they've got coming out for like since 2020 well and that's because they have investors so they always want to let their investors know what's in the future but marvel while it was publicly traded, Marvel Entertainment was part of Marvel, so they didn't have to do that. They chose to do that just to kind of brag of what they were getting at. However, their plans are fluid, so like Ant-Man did so good that they're like, oh, well, now we need Ant-Man and Wasp. So they shuffled all their movies around. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Right. Shuffle. It starts to work against you, right? Right, because you've locked yourself in and you've got things pre-planning, and then you go, oh, wait, now I want to do this. Yeah. So then you've got to pull money and pull people from A to B, and it, uh, it can make you look like you don't know what you're doing because you're changing plans. Right. Something else happened this week. Okay. So we're big fans of wrestling. Yes, yes. Uh, it was announced last weekend at uh, UFC 199. This is a crazy announcement. Okay, Brock... UFC is not wrestling, correct? No, 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 no it's no. not. But former UFC heavyweight champion Brock Lesnar, who is currently a WWE wrestling superstar, who will, will be competing in UFC 200. Finally. In the co-main event against Mark Hunt. Oh, they finally announced the <laughs> opponent? Yep, he's taking on Mark Hunt in the co-main event. He hasn't fought in UFC in a few years now. No, no, it's been a long time. He had like an intestinal disease type deal. That kind of you know, they, they wrote the name of it. I want to say it was like Diverticlus or something like something that. Something crazy. I've never heard of it. But I don't know what it is. It's kind of left It's like a supervillain. Yeah. Right. And the thing of it is... Which, though, I'm not laughing at this guy's, you know, whatever, but well, Diverticlus? That's dope. Right. And here's the interesting thing is apparently it almost killed him. I still don't even know yeah, what it is. It, it well, now did. I feel even worse. But while he was training, he was always at basically 70% strength when he would go to his matches. He didn't know mixed martial arts. He had a wrestling background. He had a wrestling he was background. Incredibly versatile. He was an athlete, and he was the heavyweight champion of a fight sport. Yep. For two years. No, it was that long. A year and a half. I mean, he only he only fought I four think, times. Yeah, he fought four times, but I think he defended it once or twice. But you know, it might have been because that was back when they didn't fight. They didn't fight six all weeks. Time. Yeah. But yeah, out of nowhere, and the funny thing is, the guy who broke the story early, they ripped his credentials away. Yeah, he was ninety nine and. Big ordeal. We won't get too much into it, but they gave it back to him. Which is a, a huge thing. Like, a wrestler no one knew anything about said that he was kind of done with UFC. All of a sudden, bam, here he is. Well, famously, Dana White has always... Yeah, that's right. Famously, number famously, one. number one. So, Dana White has always gone out of his way to be a personality in UFC. He's not just a president of a, of a sport right. league. 
He's a part of it. He's the face. He handles contract negotiations. You're right. He is the face because the cast of fighters rotates, but Dana White's always the guy at the press conference answering yep. questions and pairing the two. Yep. He's standing behind them at every single way in. Um, and so the, the negotiations between Brock Lesnar and him ended so poorly because there was a lot of money on the table from WWE and it was a favorable schedule and they were giving him everything he wanted already on that side that when he walked into the UFC negotiations, he could ask for the moon. And he did and Dana White balked at that because they've been so cheap with their fighters. Yep. So Dana White did say, this was three or four years ago, that Brock Lesnar was never coming back to the UFC. Negotiations ended so badly it was never going to happen. Here on UFC 200, probably the biggest event in UFC history of recent date. Oh, for sure. He will be co-main eventing. So they bumped. Maisha Tate was going to be defending her women's title as the co-main event. She got bumped to the uh, next to co-main event match. I, I, you know, the women fighting, I love watching women fight. I find her to be very attractive. Even with the lazy droopy eye? Yeah, even with. But there's something odd about watching them fight. Like, I'm very uncomfortable with watching women. I don't want to watch women fight, I don't think. I don't think I like it. I have a good women fight story. Okay. Oh, let's hear it. I'm in. I mean, professionally, by the way. So, <laughs> you might have gotten so I've been to Canada several times for work, and um, in Canada, the, one of the little towns I go to is there's a bar underneath, right? Like, so it's a cellar bar, which is... Is there a no, at the front door? Yeah. If that speeds the salon. <laughs> yep. No, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cellar bar. It's a nice joint or whatever. You and have so, to skate to it? Yeah. Nice? Yeah, yeah. Totes. Uh, not, not, sorry, not skate. What's no. the thing, the Jamaican, but the bobsled. bobsled. You have to bobsled to it, actually. Oh, it's crazy. I love how bobsled just became Jamaica's thing. Yeah. Right. It, I mean. Or Bob Marley is the uh, bobsled. Yeah, Jamaican cool bobsled. Name another bobsled team. In Germany. Switzerland. Name, name one person who's had a movie about them made about a bobsled team. Canada. Jamaican. Really? What's the Canadian bobsled movie? What's it called? It's called Moose Running. Just as cool as you think runnings? Moose yeah. Running. Moose yeah. Running. Uh, Gee golly, don't you know running? Moving on. Gee golly. So I was in Canada for work. I went down to this like cellar bar, right? And so I'm drinking with a, a friend of mine who lived in Canada. And it, it's a dimly lit bar. You know, it's a, it's a dive bar, right? But it's not bad. You know, the Canadian beer is like moonshine, so you get hammered and it's fine. Dive bar, eh? Like, yeah, boy. We're sitting in the bar, and there are people dancing on the dance floor, right? And this, and and I look across, and coming down the stairs are these two women and a guy. And right Sounds off the awesome already. Yeah. right off the bat, like that's a trigger, right? That's a bad sign. That's a bad Nothing sign. good comes of that when two women are hanging out with one man in public. It's the same yeah. with two men hanging out with one woman in public. It's not a sexist thing. It's an imbalance in the universe, and it's things true. are gonna auto correct. Someone's coming to the dark side. Right. So they start dancing, and they were clearly drunk, like, before they ever came into the bar. So they start dancing, like, it's the guy in the middle, and the two girls are dancing, and they're dancing, and it's it's looking cordial. I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everything I know about society and the way the world works is incorrect. Because you're in camp. Correct. Which is believable. Nope. Turns out I was dead on balls accurate. About ten minutes into their dance session, one of the women, and I don't know what triggered it because I missed this point. I'd give anything to know what happened. But one of the women reaches around the guy and slaps the other chick in the face. Like as hard as she could. I don't mean like like when you used to get swatted by your mom. I mean like she was trying to knock her out with the flat of her hand. Oh, so like you got swatted by my mom. Like a palm strike. Right. Right. So then they started railing on each other in the middle of the bar. Just like punching each other in the head, grabbing each other's hair. The guy was trying to break him out. Finally, the guy left. So then the one girl who was bigger, she wasn't big, like she wasn't huge, but she was bigger, grabbed the girl by her hair on the back of her head and dragged her up the stairs out of the bar into the street. Into the snow. Into the snow. Because all the mooses surrounded. Correct. So that is my women fighting story. Um, I enjoy to see women fight. It's It's a weird thing. It's not a sexual thing for me. 
I just think it's funny because it's so it's such a juxtaposition of two things that don't belong together. I can't help but giggle at it, even when I know the severity of the situation. No, you know what? You know, I just you tell that story, I immediately realized why I hate it because when I used to I used to work at a a local dive bar here in in the Woodlands, and I would I would bar back and bust. It was like a just I would do it a couple nights a week. They would give me beer money, then I would spend it there basically. Excellent. Uh, But every once in a while, you wind up breaking up fights there because it's a it's a dive bar. One time, a guy threw a chair at another guy. Because the other guy didn't like the song. WWE so, style! Right, so things happen. Well, the worst thing in the world was breaking up chick fights. Right. And yeah, I didn't know that going into it. Then what happened directly in front of me, and all of the door guys and the bartenders and everyone else knew better. And I was standing two feet away. Well, because it, make it makes sense to me that it would be harder to break up two women fighting. Because women are not... And I, I'm, I'm painting with a broad br- brush here. But women aren't generally as physically aggressive as men. And so to me, it, to get two women to the point where they are fighting, like a huge line has been crossed and an enormous level well, of aggression is there. Styles. Men box, women wrestle. I'm quite well, the boxer. It's even uh, whenever you look at UFC, like oh, the, the guys fight, they're trying to fill each other out, they're trying to be methodical, right. scientific they're, about they're it. Taking it. When the chicks go at it, they get aggressive and they just start slugging. That's how I am when I fight. I'm very methodical. I don't know if you guys have heard about my fighting style. Corey has told me that you are not the fighter at all. Corey's a liar. This is not... I am quite the fighter. Really? I have a fantastic fighting stance <laughs> that is impervious to almost all... All kinds of attacks. No, no. No, it's strong tricep posing with my fist towards me. It reminds me of like Gangs of New York, like yes, butchers. Right, that's correct. Right, that's how I like to fight. That's how you get things done. That's how you get things done. That's how people know Zach Attack Maine's business when he gets into his pose for fighting. Is when Corey talked about your fight sequence on on the show. He said, when Zach goes into his Notre Dame Irish pose, you know he's serious. Yes. That is Very accurate. serious. Very serious. So let's get serious real quick. Okay. I'm going to blindside my boy Zach here. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we get a text message this week from my boy Zach about a show. Oh Nathan my God. for you. Oh, my God. This so, show ruined my life. This show ruins Zach's life. Okay, so I still have not watched it. Sorry. Okay. I, I, need, I need to preface because I have immediately said that this show ruined my life. Preface. I need to, I need to say that I like the show. It's, it's quite well written and it's, it's quite funny. Well, hang on. Time out. It's dark humor. I don't want to, I don't want to say the show is bad and it's that's not humor. what I mean when I say it's ruined my it's life. Like, I not, I like Nathan. I can't remember his last name. I think he's super funny it's and I think he's, it's, it's a really crazy kind of concept for a show. That's not what I struggled with. Well, how is it? I haven't, hold on. I haven't watched any of the episodes okay. except for the one you, you showed. Right. So, so everything else seems a lot different than that. Right. So let me give you a rundown of what the show, the concept of the show is. And bear in mind that I knew none of this when we're when I watched this episode we're it's about Nathan to discuss. For you. It's on Comedy Central. It's called Nathan for You. It's on Comedy Central. They just finished season three. Yes, sir. So it's this guy, and he's Canadian, and it's it's like a funny like kind of news show. Like you know how on news shows they have um. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Like the feel, it's like the feel good, like where they, where they help a small business or bring yeah. attention, and that's what he does, right? He uses his and quote unquote great business skills to help these small businesses. And self-proclaimed the, marketing guru, right? And it's just ridiculous. Like the ideas he comes up with are ridiculous, like just absurd stuff. Like he had a gas station sell gas for a dollar with rebate and put the rebate drop box where you couldn't mail it in at the top of a mountain that they had to hike to. <laughs> so like it's stuff like that, and it's and it is it's it's quite funny. 
But I knew none of this when I watched this episode. Because as you guys know, if you use Hulu, when you finish a season or every episode they have of a show, they, they automatically start a new episode of another show. They don't start at the beginning, though. They started at the most recent episode. Had it started in the beginning, I could have built up to this, maybe. But I don't even think so. Because what we're about to talk about was so wildly different than any other episode. And I'm now almost a full season in on the show. It's so wildly different than any other episode. So I don't know what to do. Let me just preface by saying Zach was like, you guys have to watch this. <clears throat> it's got me thinking my reality. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take the time and watch this and see what's going on. So from what I read, like, the, the previews of all the other shows, is kind of what Zach's going. So I'm thinking, okay... This guy's going to come in with some dude's small business and try to help it and get kind of crazy and it's going to be dark humor. But then I was hit with this whirlwind of something totally different. Right. And I love TV, man. Like, I can't iterate that. I can't say it enough. Like, I love television. I feel... I like TV that makes me feel angry. I like TV that makes me feel sad. And I like TV that makes me laugh. Like, I don't know how to react to the episode of this show. I still haven't figured it out. So it was the season three finale. Okay. Okay. So what he does is he decides that he's going to help an individual person become a hero. It's called Nathan for You, the Hero. That's the okay. title. It's the title of the episode. He so he tries to find somebody who's like down and out, has no drive, or kind of he's like, like a, I, I feel like I can make anybody a hero. He's going to turn him into a hero, a superhero. No, no, no like just someone who's thought well of by society, oh, okay, who gets okay. news coverage, does a great thing. So. And I, and I think you should watch this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna we'll get into it, like what exactly what happened. But what he does is he is a, he assumes the identity of this guy. He drops this guy off in a desert in the trailer, and the, the guy's Mojave on board desert, with it. The Mojave desert, right in the middle of the Mojave desert so in California. So the guy's okay with it. So he leaves the guy in the trailer. He's like, I'm not gonna be back for two weeks. Here's all the food and water you get. And there are bits of like comedy in it because yeah, like, he's, he's a funny guy. He's, him, he's like, do you like this Alfredo? <laughs> right, because the guy's like, I really like Alfredo. Because like he finds out as much as he can about the so guy. Like, he's like, this, I guess you'll like, find he's, out. He hangs out with the guy for a couple days and he starts to mimic like his mannerisms <laughs> and like things that he says and stuff. And so um, it, it's pretty funny. Right? right, it is. And so the guy likes Alfredo. So he puts him in this trailer and he stocks it full of like glass bottles of like. Alfredo sauce, and he tells the guy, right. "You like you like this Alfredo? You ever tried it? I don't know, but I guess we'll find out." <laughs> right, which is very dry right. And the guy, and, and the guy is a he's like an amiable guy. He's like yeah, not he's necessarily likely. down on himself, like the guy who's he's assuming the identity of. He's not down on himself, but like you just kind of it pulls at your heartstrings a little bit because you're like, yeah, he's he works not part time at an arcade store. Right, right. Lives with his grandparents in his parents' house because they're always traveling. So like it's it's a lot of little things that you're like, God, that could be, I, that could be me. Like that could easily my life could easily have gone in a very different direction. That could be me. The guy's name is Corey, by the way. Right. Well, so. He plays video games. He passes time by organizing his magic card deck. So it, it's a it's a big story, and there's a lot to it. And and depending on on whether or not you guys want to watch it or whatever, he he gets a professional makeup artist to make him a a suit of this guy Corey. So like he fully assumes his identity. In he addition to like the face, he goes on a date with a girl. His, he takes the guy as Corey. Right. He so, sets up a dating profile as this guy, and he doesn't lie. He's not lying to this. I mean, he's lying. But he's not, like, pretending to be something that Corey isn't. Yeah, he's not taking Corey's account. He's, he's just taking the step that Corey couldn't take. Right. But then it gets real weird and dark. Okay. So basically what he's going to do is he is going to tightrope across oh. two buildings that are, like, way up in the sky. Oh. Raising money for... Not way up. I mean, it's... No, it's it's eight up. stories. Eight oh. stories. And he's raising money for breast cancer. Okay. But during the whole time, like, it's supposed to be about this Corey guy. But then, like, Nathan starts, like, 
I guess falling in love with the character of Corey. Like, well, like, and it's so sad because I I don't know, man. It wrecked me because okay, so he goes on a date with this girl, but then after the date ends, and again, I need to, and and I'm torn on how I should feel about this. So he goes on a date with a girl after the date ends, and this is in advance of the tightrope walk. She leaves and he hangs out at the bar and he was like, it was so refreshing to be able to talk to people, to not have all my own social anxieties and all my own issues about dealing with people. Now he's hiding inside a court. Exactly. Right. Okay. All right. But he tells the date, I want to kiss you, but I want to do it after I walk the tightrope. Right. So I want to walk across the building and meet you and kiss you when I come off. So then he goes on the tightrope. Right. That's he, a pretty smooth date. He finally gets on the tightrope and he's supposed to just go across the one. He goes across like what thirty like, times. Like ten, yeah. He it's it's a he just keeps going back and forth because he wasn't and he says this. He says I wasn't ready to stop being Corey. Okay, so then he All like right. makes the switcheroo with Corey. Corey comes out, kisses this chick he's never seen before. The whole time she thinks it's him. There's a lot of stuff like he fakes the grandparents out. Like, yeah, dude. It's it. I want to see the like. Where are they now? Like the people find out because they interviewed him like on TV. Yeah, because like okay, so so then the Corey guy just he like he slides right into it, right? Like he gets interviewed on TV talking about what a stress it was. Like he kisses the girl he's never been on a date with. Like it is mind boggling. I want to see the after show. Like where are they now? I don't know how to feel about it, and I don't don't like not knowing how to feel about TV. Yeah, but essentially, I mean, mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did exactly what but he set out it, to do. It, it flips the role. Like in the very beginning, Nathan's kind of a happy guy, and Corey's down on his luck. By the end of it, Corey is like all oh, on this high, and Nathan's kind of like, oh, now it's me. Well, you know, and so on some of the episodes, he's awkward, right? Like he, he's an awkward guy, and like and and part, of, part of it is part character. of his character, right? And it, but like then, like when you watch this episode now, when I'm looking back, so I watched this episode first, and then when I look back at the first ones, I'm like, this is supposed to be funny, but like now I'm not really sure. Like now I'm not really sure if he really is uncomfortable. So really what and, makes it uncomfortable for you guys is you don't know if the character of Nathan is a character or a person. That's not my struggle. That's not as much of a struggle for me because I feel like good comedy, as all, like especially this kind of format of good comedy, doesn't have to be character driven. This right. could be Nathan saying absurd things but not playing an absurd person, right? right. Well, well, so it's not my struggle with it is I don't know if what he did was good or bad. Exactly. That's I can't pinpoint it. I can point out things he did that sound and seem shady, right. but I can also point out the benefits that came it from it, like the date on the thing. girl. It would be a good thing had he not recorded. It on TV because now he did all these good things on TV. But even now everyone's gonna know it's a hoax. But even then, I don't even know that because I can't reconcile in my mind. Like he went on a date with this girl, but he didn't. He pretended to be Corey, but he didn't pretend to be something Corey wasn't. He was definitely Corey. Okay, do you know what I mean? Like, so is that a lie? Did he lie to her? Well, of course he lied to her. He was someone else. But he's not Corey. Of course, it's a lie. He's somebody pretending to be what he thinks Corey is. It's crazy. Man. Let's go out down. No, no. Let's, you let's, gotta watch it. Bro. So let's let's look at it through the filter of something non-television, and then you can kind of apply your logic there, good or bad. Yeah. Take us home. We got one minute. Right. I jump to a break. So so think about it. Corey in terms DLG of, with the take home on Corey. Think. Uh, yeah, I know, right? This is meta. Think about it in terms of charitable donation. If somebody were to just donate a million dollars to the Red Cross and say nothing about it, yeah, that that would be a great thing. If Chevy donates a million dollars to the Red Cross. And then puts, a t- puts it on a TV commercial that they just donated a million dollars to Red Cross. It still does good, but now it was good done for a purpose. And so when you look at it without the filter of television, you start to see that even, even though what he said out loud is, I want to turn somebody into a hero, which is a good thing, the entire premise of how he went about it makes it dirty. 
I don't know though. I I, I don't. It's I mean, you can't lie. Listen. You can't use evil to make someone good. The date thing, I can almost get behind you on the date thing. No, but the whole thing. But him pretending to be Corey is no different than if I gave you power of attorney and you said I'm going to write a check to this charity on your behalf and sign it. Well, no. Because what's the difference? What's the not, practical difference? Why not just coach up real Corey? Why not get him a counselor and a and a makeup that'd be artist? Too easy. That'd be too easy. But I mean, because I think the purpose of the experiment was to show you don't have to change who you are. You just have to change people's perception of you. Well, yeah, that's what which is what he did, us. though, right? He right. didn't change anything the way. All he did was he had the ability to book radio spots. He had the ability to call TV and say, I'm doing this. And he had the ability to tightrope walk, <coughs> which so is the only thing that Corey couldn't do. By the way, what? Okay, but see, even that, that makes that. that he did that being that's, said, that's that being said, that's food to, uh, to chew on. Think about it. <laughs> uh, we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we're going to start positively. Let's talk about a little character named Nightcrawler that we all love and adore. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. And we are looking for talk show hosts and volunteer DJs for our music shows. Are you interested in having your own talk show on Lone Star? Or have you always wanted to live out your dreams of being a music DJ? With the addition of Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and video aspects of our talk shows, we are needing people to grow with us. If you or someone you know might be interested, please contact us online at IRLoneStar.com slash contact us or call the station at 936-647-5747 for more information. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio on IRLoneStar.com. Soon to be Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. Sister stations. Sister stations. I'm the Captain Joey Savage, sitting here with my co-host, best friend, cousin, burly man of a guy, Corey DLG. That was a lot of things. I, you didn't yeah. prep me, but like, I'm not comfortable with all of them. I didn't say my heterosexual life partner this time. Right, right. We got that one <laughs> off the list. We're sitting here with uh, our good friend, uh, Zach Attack. Hey. Hope you let us produce today because Nico, like we said, is MIA at the moment. No, no, we know where he's at. Also, also action. It's kind of like our bios. Yeah, you like those? Yeah, that was pretty good. Was pretty good. <laughs> uh, guys, our bios are up on IRLoneStar.com, so uh, check them out. Uh, the DLG wrote them. They're pretty hilarious. Is there a bio for me? Not yet, but there will be. Okay, good. And I'll write it. <laughs> right. Fair enough. <laughs> check us out, Facebook.com backslash Radio. Let's get into this week's character spotlight. Yeah. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, Ben Houston. What, what? Good friend of mine. Uh, my roommate in college said he wanted us to spotlight Nightcrawler. Man, so, I love that. Yeah. And it's a character that the three of us uh, genuinely like altogether. It's one thing we can all agree on. We like the Nightcrawler. Yes. Because me and Zach really like Cable and Bishop. And DLG. Oh, I can't you stand Cable and Bishop. It's cool, though. So, DLG, you want to run us down? Yeah. Tell us about Nightcrawler. So, the Kurt Wagner. Kurt Wagner. He's a... Uh, he was... Found in the Munich Circus, as they they love to make fun of in the movies. Every movie has references, and I think it's great. What's funny about him is he was he first appears in Giant Size X Men with the with the rest of like the new X Men. This Number was one nineteen seventy five. This is bringing the X Men back. For those who don't know the history, X Men was this big deal when it first debuted. They did about forty issues, and then for about eight to ten years, they literally produced nothing. No X Men. But the X Men title didn't go away. They were simply reprinting this, the previous runs over and over again. The book was good enough over to reprint, but it wasn't good enough to make new content. Marvel didn't have enough money to make more X-Men books. The giant-sized X-Men hit the, hit the stand. And then, boom, you get Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Nightcrawler. Banshee, Sunfire, joining the likes of 
Cyclops, Angel, Iceman, Beast, Polaris, and Havoc. You want to hear? And the Marvel. You want to hear the interesting fact about Nightcrawler? Yes. The guy who developed Nightcrawler was originally working for DC. Correct. And he had pitched him to the DC guys like, ah, it's not really us. We went to Marvel. He pitched it to them, and they were like, they loved it. They fit in perfectly with their X Men. They're they're getting ready to rock. It was uh, right, and um, I believe it's Dave Cockrum that we're talking about. Yep, he was the artist him. at the time, and yep. Dave Cockrum had designed all of these giants of X Men. Storm was originally going to be a little more feline based and almost more cat like, and those and that was actually going to they were going to be part of the uh, like a Teen Titans reboot. Uh, and also Colossus. Sunfire and Banshee and Wolverine were pre existing characters. The yes. others were brand new creations brought in, and we forgot Thunderbird. The short lived. The short lived. So, Nightcrawler, what makes him so special? I think the thing that makes him so interesting, there's a couple things. One is, he always winds up being like the heart, soul, and consciousness of, of the X-Men team he's on. Not consciousness, conscience X-Men of team. the X-Men team that he's on. Or Excalibur. Part of that is his religion. He, he's a devout Catholic, and he puts his faith in God, even in these crazy, massive, they're fighting demons and dark lords and robots from the future and... Yeah, well, well, that's happening. You know, he died, and so when they brought him back just recently, it was a big thing. Him, his religion, and he was in heaven, and he was trying to stop his dad to get into heaven, and that's kind of how he came back. It was all very heavenly based. And the other, turn. the other interesting thing about him is his his really close friendship with Wolverine. Wolverine is notoriously a loner, uh, not a lot of friends. Although he always winds up having a soft spot for some young mutant that he takes under his wing. But his, one of his very few actual friends, like a peer, is Nightcrawler. Kurt Wagner. Kurt Wagner from the Munich Circus. I like him, and I, and I like this about about Nightcrawler. He's such a dichotomy of things, right? He stresses and frets to no end because of his religion, the, the things that the X-Men get into, where they toe that line to where, is this really right? But then he also... He's one of the best fighters on the team. He yeah. seems to be... He has no compunction about fighting as he's fighting. Right. It's just leading up to it, he's not sure. And then post the fight, he's always unsure of himself. He's also a mutant. Like, I like a mutant that looks like a mutant. I, think I like my beer cold, my TV loud, and my mutants blue with pointed ears. I think it's one of the things that draws everybody <laughs> to him is that... You know, he is a mutant and he's blue and he's got a tail. Demonic in appearance. Demonic in appearance. Probably but he has such a, a, in his, yeah, right. composure. And people can identify with a character that doesn't look like everybody else who can get along and coexist with everyone else. Well, and the X-Men have always been that book. The story that spoke to the outcast. But now, they have. The, but a lot of the other but ones, like, they all look human. Right. It's, always been, it's wildly easy to say... Humans and mutants can coexist when you look like Storm, or when you Cyclops. look like Rogue, or when yeah, you look like Cyclops. I'm looking like Nightcrawler. Right. That's a that's a tall Beast. order. What's the what's the line in uh, in X Men Two that they have when Mystique and Nightcrawler are talking, and Nightcrawler's like, "You're so lucky you can turn into anybody. Uh, why do you choose this form?" And she says, "Why do I? Why should I have to choose?" Right. That's it. That's a good one. Who is famously his mother? Famously yeah. his mother. And. I don't know. It's, it's a neat power, and then, like, the iterations of, of Nightcrawler I really enjoy as well. Like, Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler I like a ton. He's, he's quite a bit darker. He like he, he's quite a bit darker, you know what I mean? Because he had a bad experience in church, the entire religion piece of him is out of the window. Right. But he's not He's not over that line yet. He, he kills, and he has no compunction about it in Age of Apocalypse, but I like but that. But he kills because it's a necessity of the environment, not because right. he's dark. Right. right, right, I just, oh man, he's always been one of my favorites. He's always been one of the easiest to get behind. And it's funny because as far as like exposure and the other pop culture elements, he's the hardest to get right. 
you know, to put them in a movie, it's makeup and heavy effects. Oh, definitely. To put them in a video game, it's almost impossible to simulate teleporting. Yeah, because um, let's get into his powers real quick. Corey, run us down. So there's a couple things. He can blend in with the shadows. His fur kind of absorbs the light a little bit, yep. so he always looks like he's in a dark corner. Very stealthy. Uh, very stealthy. And then he can teleport. And what they did in the beginning was they limited that by it was simply an exertion of will. And also was limited by, he, if he didn't know where he was going, he ran the risk of winding up inside of walls and people and tunnels and pipes and things of that nature. So he always tried to only go to places he could see, so line of sight, or places he knew by heart, by memory, and then just pray they hadn't rearranged the furniture that day. Right, and there's also, the di- there's also the distance component early on. Right, and then also when he started bringing people with him, he had conditioned that he was now able to teleport because he'd done it so much it was like an exercise, so he was now able to withstand the endurance strain, but then it would drain other people. So sometimes he would literally, just as an offensive weapon, grab somebody and teleport multiple times short distances, but by the end of it, they're so exhausted, they can't even fight. He's right. good to go. He's, he's still good to go. Um, now it seems the like they've kind, of, they've kind of moved on from that to now he can teleport in with small groups of people, Bam. short distances, uh, but now it's not necessarily line of sight as a necessity anymore. It's good, close, close combat. Right. So, Hero Clicks, the game we love to play. Uh, one of my favorite pieces is uh, Days of Future Past Nightcrawler because it lets you constantly rearrange the board because he can move and carry someone and then still also do a free action attack in the same turn. A lot of crazy stuff you can do there. So, it's a lot of combinations, creates a lot of opportunity for you to get an attack with character A, then Nightcrawler moves him around and then gets in a free attack himself. So,. Nightcrawler has been one of these characters who is very versatile. You can do a lot with them story-wise. I mean, you can kind of go anywhere. There's a uh, there's a great... They would do these anthology books sometimes. Do you know when he got his first uh, series? I wonder if it... No. 1985. All right. So, that's a pretty ten long years, time. Ten years he was in the universe before he got his own little miniseries. Okay. Okay. Then he wound up in Excalibur. He did. He wound up in Excalibur. And being German, that kind of makes sense. Megan and... And then his half, and then his half brothers on both sides from Mystique and from uh, yeah, two of his half brothers are no longer mutants anymore. They lost their powers. Right. right, yeah, it's crazy stuff. He's got a big. He's got a, he's, have you heard the crazy story about his uh, parent lineage? The yeah, father is, but his father's mutant. an angel mutant. Well, not even that. Like originally, uh, they wanted to have Mystique and her lover Destiny right be his parents, where Mystique. Formed into like a, a man, and then they consummated or whatever. But, right, and Marvel was like, "Well, I don't know if we could do that. I don't know about we all that." that so. This would have been in the seventies when this happened. Right, right. So, yeah, that's right. a hard thing. Seventy, maybe the eighties. So transgender yeah. when when it happened. Yeah. So yeah, his dad is like, uh, was it Azazel or Azizel? Azizel, who was in X Men First Class. Correct. And uh, yeah, he. Um, and he, essentially, he's a. Uh, at one point in the X Men stories, he's a demon who who makes his own play at taking over Hell. And the X-Men have to stop him. Yep. Now, apparently, it's essentially he's actually an angel, but a, but a mutant. An angel and mutant. He's trying to take over heaven, and that's where... That's, that's why like Nightcrawler had to fight. Right. It's the, and it's it's this weird... It's part of this weird, deep, weird mythology in, in, in Marvel with these angel mutants that are super xenophobic and these demon mutants. They're called yeah, the... Crazy. I have the name of them here. Uh, I, forget what, I can't say it. It starts with an N. But, like, it's... It's weird stuff that he's tied up in. I think it's one of the reasons people, I mean, beyond him, like we've, we've touched on him, being right. a mutant and being a full-blown looking mutant and, and coexisting in the world, with his, his religion and just the weird stories that he's put into have drawn people to this character. Yeah. Oh, he's also a smaller guy, right? So a lot of like smaller type people, like, okay, so my friend Ben, my roommate, is a short guy. 
Yeah, he always identified with Nightcrawler because they were the same size and, and whatever. Like, he could never identify with Wolverine because he was never going to be that big rampaging type guy. Although Wolverine originally was a small guy. Right. But, but now Nightcrawler, time, with agility, him into huge ass. With the agility and all that stuff, that's he could get behind. Right. Yeah. No, it definitely, it, you know, I think sometimes where Marvel and comic books in general, where they screw up is they make complicated origins for characters. And Nightcrawler definitely falls victim to that. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to have an angel demon to be your father, to still be a great character. Right. Uh, and you don't need to be related to Mystique to be heavily invested in the X-Men mythos. But it definitely... You know, adds stories. Yeah, it definitely adds stories. definitely adds elements of shock and surprise, which is always a big part of comic books. So let's wrap up our, our Nightcrawler here before we jump into this next segment. Anybody have anything else to say about our friend Cut Wagner? I will say this. When they killed him with the... When he died... Fighting Bastion and the uh, you know the the, mutants, the prime sickles all came back and yep. died fighting. That was one of the saddest character deaths. Right, I all, agree. Like I, it was one of the few that actually got me angry. I was completely surprised by it. Right, because he just he was such a core X Men for so long that you're just like you can't kill my father. You kill one of the kids or one of the others. No one truly stays. And it's such a it was such a gruesome death, and I was just like, good god, right. like I was blown away by that. Yeah, blown away. Uh, for, if you don't know, he, he teleports around, obviously, and, and the big fear with Nightcrawler was always, if something, if he teleported around a solid object, it would be inside of him, and Bastion was a computer program that was creating these robot sentinels, and he correctly predicted where Nightcrawler would teleport, and simply grabbed his heart as Nightcrawler teleported That's onto it. Right, it was ruthless. Yeah. So it's an awful death. It's not one anyone actually wants to go out on, but a terrible thing to have such a great, beloved character. But obviously, in comic books, all things are made right because they bring you back. Okay, so you ready to jump into this next little bit? I am excited about this. Okay, so our friend here, Zach Attack, we like to call him our Doctor Who specialist. So weird. Specialist. He's our specialist on Doctor Who. Specialization for insects. Between the two of us, we've probably watched a total of four to five episodes of Doctor Who, yes? Uh, I've watched on my own three or four. I've watched about two or three, so we're looking at... Five to six episodes. Okay. Okay. Uh, we we started with the not the original original, but the the new age one. When they brought him back, originally it was a bald dude who was very angry. Chris Eccleston. Okay. And, and that's uh, neither one of us Doctor Who. Right. That's the Doctor Who that I knew, and I didn't enjoy. I didn't either. But I've heard that the David Tennant is phenomenal. Is phenomenal. So we might start there. But we got this segment here. Where but you want to build to it. Where Zach, it's a slow build. Where Zach here is going to give us some Whovian terms, and we're going to try to guess what well, he on before. Give us the rundown of what makes Doctor Who, Doctor Who such what a Doctor Who, What does Doctor Who mean to you? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's so hard to pinpoint. And and let me preface this by saying, like, I'm not... I, I've, I've dipped my toe into the very early... It's It's been around for 50-plus years now. And I've dipped my toe into the early seasons. Almost all of the season one, the very first iteration of the Doctor, they, those tapes have been lost. So, like, I've dipped Wait my toe in... Yeah. I know. Believe me, as as upset as you may fictionally be being right now, imagine how hardcore Doctor Who fans I mean, I can't feel imagine about that. Like, if They're just gone. So, the first year of so for what I know about Doctor Who is we have every season there's a new Doctor, or every couple seasons. So here's how it works, and and this is brilliant writing, and it's so it's such a Deus Ex Machina device, right? Like okay. it could easily be a cop out, but it's not. It's brilliantly done. He has the ability to what's called regenerate. So he dies, he suffers a mortal wound, he gets poisoned, something like that. As long as it's not instantaneous, like, vaporization, he can regenerate. When he regenerates, it becomes an entirely new actor, an entirely new doctor. He has, he, and he goes through a period of readjustment when he re- regenerates. So it's a whole, it's not just a new actor playing the same character. 
It's a new actor playing Doctor Who, how they would play it, how it was written for them. And the, the experiences that the new Doctor has are completely unique to him. He has the memory, but it takes often a good period of readjustment. And he's been alive now for, let's ballpark it, and we can discuss why it's difficult to know this, but for, let's say, 1,200 Earth years now. So no matter how good a memory you have, that's a lot of memory to retain. So I like it. It's so hard to, to describe why I like it. It's well-written stories, and it's big stories that, that arc seasons, and then it's pinpoint episodes that have great stories within them. Um, I'm talking about since the reboot. Um, so since Chris Eccleston, who's the ninth Doctor, we're now on the 12th Doctor or the 13th, depending how you how view you, it. How you, what school of thought you're from? What, yeah. So what separates it? Is it Walsh's first season either counts or doesn't count? No, no, no. So Wait, wait. Was there like a black Doctor in the middle and now half of them say he doesn't count? That's wildly close to what it is. Yes! Nailed it! So, and this is a big story and a big topic. But the way it works is, so the Doctor first started out being on his home planet. He stole his ship and just kind of piddled around the universe, piddled around through space and time, picked up companions. This sounds like something you would do. Yeah. Picked it, up companions, it did, like my did good throughout the universe. And then at a, at a point in his history, um, the, his home planet got into what was called the Time War with the Daleks. Okay. So, Who, by the way, are rather unimpressive. Wildly unimpressive. But they are fiercely written. Right. Like, they look like nothing. They look like a garbage can with self-sticking out. Right. But they are <laughs> wildly <laughs> dangerous. They are beings... <laughs> to like a souped-up R2-D2. Yeah. To, to, give, to give a picture of the Daleks and how, how truly evil they are and how truly evil they're written, there's a planet that is full of damaged or deranged Daleks, right? That are even too crazy for this evil over-race. That's to, where I would hang out. To evil... This, that are they're they're too messed up for this evil over race to even tolerate. So the doctor visits this planet one time or visits a Dalek ship surrounding. He's like, "Why don't you just destroy this planet?" And this is sick. The Daleks say, "We think it's wrong to destroy something so beautiful." And the doctor's like, "What do you mean beautiful?" And they're like, "This level of hatred and instability is beautiful to us." Wow. Right. Pretty so dark. so. Pretty at the point in the history of the Time War and the Daleks, there was a doctor, and this was. This was a, this was after the relaunch. They did a movie with uh, William Hurt as who was called the Eighth Doctor. Okay. This Doctor, through the ninth, tenth, and eleventh iterations of the Doctor, he had assumed the Doctor himself had assumed that he had blown up Gallifrey, his home planet, to to end the Time War. Well, it turns out that this Eighth so Doctor say Gallifrey was like an <clears throat> Italian lasagna. Dish. Not even close. <laughs> So it turns out that the the ninth, the tenth and eleventh doctors go back to the eighth doctor and they figure out a way to save God. It's a big thing, but anyway. So it, wait, the, so there's like three doctors in the same show? At it, for this one movie because they time travel. Correct. Okay. But they don't cross their own time, time travel. So this is the only time this has happened, and yeah, it has to do with this thing. weapon. It's a like I said, it's a big story. But the point is, the reason that some people are at say that it's the thirteenth doctor, some people say they were at the twelfth, is because the eighth doctor, because he blew up Gallifrey, or at least the ninth, tenth, and eleventh doctors remembered or thought that they he had blown up Gallifrey. He didn't call himself the doctor anymore. So it's a wild thing. Oh, <laughs> wild thing. Okay. So, so here's what we are. My doctor's I'm the doctor travels to the universe and in his ship, forward in space and time. He can't cross his own time stream, so he doesn't go back to see his old self. Stuff like that. There are things called fixed points in time in in Doctor Who, where certain things can always be changed about time, but certain fixed points always oh, have to masters? happen. Always have to happen. Right. So it's a very weird blending of the three or four different kinds of time travel right. theories seems, that float around like out there. Right. And and what and it's it's a famous line, it 
people tend to assume that time is a straightforward progression, but really it's just a mix of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Quite a famous Doctor Who quote. Um, <laughs> the, the thing I like about Doctor Who is I, I, it's, 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 hard, it's hard to pinpoint. It, it's good characters. You feel emotional with them. Additionally, it, it makes me rethink a lot of the stuff that you think you have a pretty solid feeling about. For instance, okay, so d- the Doctor's wife. The Doctor gets married. The doctor's wife, though, is traveling in a different direction in time than he is, which is a lot less complicated than it sounds. Like Benjamin Button. So the f- no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, right? It's you would think that, but no, right. it's not what it means. It just means that as she's going forward in her time stream, she goes back and meets him earlier and earlier than his. Okay. So they have to keep journals, and so the first time he meets her is the last time she sees him. Their first kiss is his first kiss and her last kiss, oh, right? Okay. So that kind of thing. Sense. It's wildly confusing. And if you look at the timeline, it's nuts. It's it's driven me, and I could use you guys' help on this. There needs to be a new verb tense, and there also needs to be a new word. So we all know what foreshadowing is, right? right? It's when you as an outside observer recognize something that's being said by a character as being predictive of what's going to happen. Correct. In Doctor Who, you recognize it as foreshadowing, but Not only right. because you know it's already happened. Right. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. Because to the peop- the characters within the show, the event that you know is going to happen, which happened in episode two, they're in episode five saying, man, wouldn't it be fun if this happened? I don't know what the word for that is. And I can... I, Three shadowing. Right. It's weird, right? Like... Eight shadowing. And we could talk about Doctor Who for <laughs> Because it's four. Like yeah, I, yeah. Like, I could give you the run... Yeah, I, I, I could give you the rundown on the different Doctors. David Tennant is the Doctor who pretends to be quite serious, but really is a child at heart. Right. Um, right, which blew my mind. You are not, I was not prepared for the level of surprise when I realized that that's who that was. Matt Smith, who played uh, one of the Terminators, I believe, in the new Terminator movie. No clue. Fair enough. He he pretends to be very silly and childlike, but really the weight of what he what he is and how long he's been alone is crushing him. Because remember, the Doctor thinks that everybody in his species is dead, and for intents and purposes, they are. Up until very, very recently... Where it was revealed that maybe they're not dead. So, like, he's alone in the this, universe. Does this make you want to watch Doctor Who? Uh, it definitely. I love. I love these concepts. And it's a slow build. It, but the character was so obnoxiously angry in the in the reboot that I was watching that I would have to. I would have to completely just move on from him. We have to start you with can't. David Tennant. You can't what? though. And I and I know this is a hard sell. I'll do it. It, it took me about three months to make it through the first, which is I think it's called series nine. It's the ninth Doctor to make it through Chris Eccleston. And now looking back, I like him a lot, but it, it's a slow build. It's a lot of stuff you have to digest and get on board with and understand that. Oh man, I'm guessing you guys started with the episode with the mannequins walking around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. No, That's no, a hard no, thing to be afraid what of. What the heck is this? But yeah, what's it, weird it, about it, that like is there's sci-fi. there's an enormous amount of history in that episode because. Because one of the most nefarious villains of the Doctor uses that same thing in way, way earlier in the series to do some hardcore damage. And then later on, the same substance that's used to make the mannequins is used to do some even greater damage in the future. So that's how stuff is. It's weirdly tied and connected. And it is some cheesy effects sometimes. Like, you're right. The Daleks are cheesy looking. The Daleks are cheesy looking still because it was low budget sci-fi back then. But now it has that history. It is a slow build. Make it through Eccleston. It's 13 or 14 episodes, I think, before you get to Tenet. But it's worth it. But it's worth it because a lot of stuff happens. The Doctor tends to travel with what he calls a companion. 
Right. Yeah, and typically, no typically, it's a human companion. Although in the early series, it wasn't always. A lot of his companions have died, which he carries a lot of weight for him on. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that happens to Rose Tyler, who's his first com- first companions in the in the relaunch. That it's very important that you have that history, especially when you get into the David Tennant series. It, God, we're gonna have to watch. You it. are, we're and, have to do it. and it, it's right. it's a big series, right. and it's a. Oh my god! I okay, can, so I can talk all day about it. Do we have time to get into a few of our game here? Where we're gonna guess who the word. Absolutely. All right, we got about five minutes here. Before okay. We the break. Okay. Give us a word, Corey DG, You go first. So let's talk. With, let's start with Time Lord. Okay, I know what the Time Lords are. Um, You're cheating. Well, no, I mean, by knowing. It. Listen, I told you when we came with this idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that we shouldn't have we shouldn't have given out the idea because Corey was gonna cheat you. No, because I, I actually oh, have well, you know I'm four episodes in. Are they Lords of Time? Well, duh. Well, no, but I mean uh, the Doctor is of us from a race of Time Lords, but also the Daleks were Time Lords, also correct? No. Well, I don't understand. How could it be a war of the Time Lords if only one half of the you, Time Lords? You, that one seems pretty easy. You overanswered. My final answer: they are Lords of Time. No. Okay, so what well, are you we guys are both you guys are both close. So the planet is Gallifrey. Right. On Gallifrey. When you're a Gallifreyan, you go to the Time Lord Academy and you become a Time Lord. So they control time, they manipulate time, it's like time they magic. use time to their own. They're kind of tomorrow. they're yeah. kind of like Lords of Time, but not in I don't think the way you mean it. <laughs> um, and the, Dalek, the, the Daleks mean. aren't Time Lords. The Daleks who travel through time, but they're not Time Lords. Uh, All right, word number two: Tardis. Tardis. That was actually the I name of what, the ship. I don't know what to say without being politically correct here. <laughs> That's incorrect. Okay, so it's TARDIS. You're, you're going to say it's the ship? It's the name of the ship. I know this. Give us some TARDIS. This guy's cheating over Okay, here. the TARDIS. Time and Relative Dimension in Space. It's an acronym for his ship. The TARDIS looks like a police box because the chameleon circuit as part of the TARDIS has been broken. Sounds like a British raspberry cookie. Okay, no. The ship. Uh, uh, we've already given that. Sorry, we've, we've already, we've we've already given the answer. Word number three. <laughs> right. I also don't three. understand that. Uh, the moment. That's, that is when this magic moment. No. No. Your lips are that is when Doctor Who uh, destroyed his own planet. Yeah, very good. Well, I guess I should well done, Corky. Did you Wikipedia? No, I honestly have based this off the four episodes. Right. Psychic paper. Psychic paper. <laughs> you this know this is, one too, don't you? I do. This, I quit. Listen, when, maybe I should just play this game. There were so many cool elements in the episodes. There is are. Like, is it acid? No. No. Okay. It was just... LSD. He literally has this little, like, badge thing that's blank, and anyone who sees it sees whatever they need to see to let him through. Right. But it's... It, there were so many cool things in the first four episodes that I got why people liked it. I just hated him It so gets better. Much. He gets better. He's a lot to take in the minute. Eccleston is a good actor. He was in Heroes. He's a good actor, and it, but he's just abrasive up front, especially if you're... For people who are transitioning from the... He was the, the Invisible Man. Right. Oh, so yeah. for people transitioning from, like, who have watched Doctor Who from the beginning, it wasn't a hard transition to make. But when you're a brand new watcher to it, right. he's a lot to take. Right. But every time he would say something, like, the psychic paper, I was like, that is so cool! Right. So we got time for one more? Right. So psychic paper, the moment, uh... you got a time for a couple more. Alright, let's do it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about The Silence. You know this one? No, actually, I don't think I so. feel like it's a harmonica you would play to shut people up. No. Silence. We're not silence? Talking, not talking about the silence. This, oh, the silence. It's a harmonica. No, I have no idea at all. Uh, it's, this al- it's this alien race that immediately after you see them, you forget they were ever there. They cool. wipe your mind. They don't speak. Not close to harmonica at all. Th- this is a sad one. Toss up. The untempered schism. The untempered schism. Whoa. It sounds like a professional wrestler's finishing move. Yeah, it really does. It? Like he just hits the finishing move. Like, like, 
Yeah, no, that's close, guys. You're, you're getting closer. You're getting better yeah. at these. No, no, no. The untempered schism is where, when you're a child on Gallifrey, you look into this, cr- basically what is a crack in the universe, into the time vortex, and usually one of only three things happen. Either it drives you crazy, you run away out of fear, or it inspires you. And that's how they determine who's going to be a time lord. It's this really brutal way to determine if Gallifrey and children are going to become time lords. Well, wait a minute. What do they do with all the kids they drive crazy? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. What indeed. Alright. <laughs> um, th- these last two, and this is a quick one, and it- it's such worth you watching the series for this. Um, the Girl Who Waited and The Last Centurion. The Last Centurion. Is that the doctor's, the last pet he had? No. Maybe a dog? Ooh. The Girl Who Waited and The Last Centurion. The Girl Who Waited. They're together? This is one thing? They're related to one okay. another. Is the Girl Who Waited a coffee shop? No. Alright, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna get this. I got No, this. you're not. The Last Centurion, it's gonna be, t- okay, just time travel, so it's gonna be a real centurion. It's gonna be a real centurion. And then the girl who waited is going to be a waitress. It's close. Yes. Kind of, not really. (laughs) So they're both the Doctor's companions, Amy and Rory Pond. The Doctor was locked in the Pandorica. Rory got sent back in time to 2,000 years. Turns out it was Amy, his wife, that was locked in this Pandorica prison. And he survived because of the plastic mannequin. Same idea. Oh, he's made of They made him into that, right. They killed him, and then they turned him into a plastic mannequin. Oh. So then he lived for 2,000 plus years as waiting for her to be released from the Pandora. He was literally a centurion. Right. Yes. Kind of. So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a great, yeah, it's a great, great series. I'm happy to talk about it all the time. We will definitely get back to more Doctor Who quite often, so we can have our buddy Zach attack on here. But uh, DLG, we're going to jump out to a break here. We come back, it's going to get into our weekly top three. And this time it's special. We're doing, in line and in honor of Doctor Who, time travel. <laughs> I know you know this already, but most of the shows on Lone Star Community Radio are available in podcast format. If you want to keep up with the latest shows, just subscribe to our YouTube channel, Lone Star Community Radio, and our website at IRLoneStar.com. You can even follow us on SoundCloud and Twitter to see the latest posts from Lone Star Community Radio. Can't find a show? Then just search for it on IRLoneStar.com in the search bar to the top right of every page. Or just contact us on IRLoneStar.com slash contact us with your questions, demands, sponsorships, anything. Lone Star Community Radio is your Montgomery County Community Radio Station. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio on IRLoneStar.com. Soon to be Conroe's FM 104.5106.1. We are talking nerdy to you today. That's right. It's the first time we got that in there. That's the first time. We got lazy today. We didn't say talking nerdy to you like 82 times. 73 is, I think, the standard we go with. Uh, I like to make things divisible by nine. Nice. I'm the Captain Joey Sanders. And 80, sorry, <laughs> sorry, we need to address this. 83 is divisible by nine, Corey? It is, yeah. it is, yeah. Okay. In Corey language. Okay. It'd be 81. I'm good. I'm the Captain Joey Savage, sitting here with, uh, Corey DLG, and you have a remainder of two, duh. Across the room, our producer today is... Hey. Hey, uh, Zach Attack. Every time you guys do that, I don't know if you want me to say my name or my, my, my self confidence is at, at such a level. He's already felt confident to jump in and try to correct my math, but he won't say his own name. My self confidence and insecurity is such that when you guys look at me, I fear in my heart of hearts that you have forgotten who I am. We have that stare. We do. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? I'll stare. All right, guys. That is what I feel like. We're gonna get into our weekly top three. Corey, hit us with the thing music. We we weekly weekly top 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 three. 
Yeah. So we're getting our weekly top three this week. And we're going to have Rush come cover that. Yeah. And this week. Rush the band? No, we're just going to Rush cover it. Yes. Yes, definitely. Rush we're going to get some like local band that thinks they're a Rush cover band. To cover. Neil Pert is a god. Yep, there we go. Pert plus head and shoulders. Is that divisible by night? Neil Pert, drummer, Rush. Yeah, is it divisible by night? Why would you go drummer? He's not like Phil Collins. He's unreal. In okay, terms but of drumming, like the lead singer of the band. It's why Rush is famous. No, Rush, have you seen no, Neil Pert's really drum kit? It really no, is. No, Rush is famous because in the '80s there was nothing good, and so everyone from the '80s is famous, including a band like Europe. Okay, so top three this week, we're talking. Final countdown. Our top three favorite time travel fired movies. Who wants to go first? You want to go first. Oh, you want to go first. What you guys don't know behind the scenes is every we, we take breaks between segments and we kind of relax and talk about we different take stuff. And I take breaks. Uh, I'm working. I literally, like, I mentally clock out. I don't even know where we are right now. What I think you mentally it? clock out from the start of the show till the end. It, listen, that's how I live my life, and you don't get to judge yeah. it. You're not my real dad. So we're doing the uh, top three time travel movies. And not necessarily the best time travel movies. I didn't get to finish my story. Yeah, I know, I didn't. I just cut you off. Yeah. So, do you want to go first? No. no. We, go we've first. already decided that you first. go first because you're super excited and neither of us are 100% sold. Turtles 3. Oh, my God. That... Yeah. That's, that's not even original. No, yeah. it's not because that's my number five. The original doesn't time travel. Two top three. We're no, I'm just saying I'm not going to mention it or talk about it because it's my number five. It's, it's, it's my it didn't hit my top now. three. It's my number three. Uh, Turtles in time. Turtles in time. They travel the same time. No, that you thought that, but you were not right. You were wrong. Oh. They travel back to ancient Japan. Correct. In a samurai fight, which is so cool because Ninja Turtles in samurai Japan. That's it. Just makes sense. And nobody right. ever time travels to Japan. No, they don't. Well, yeah, because, you know, there was no internet back then. Okay, well, that's a valid point there. No, it's not. No, no it's not. <laughs> Don't do that. Been, Don't validate him. He's been very listen, quiet and subtle. We get to the time travel segment. Right. And Angry Zack is coming out. Right. You know why I'm angry about this? Because last time I listened to a show you guys did about time travel, yeah. Corey says, Oh, there's basically only two fields of thought about time travel. Oh, oh. Incorrect. Yeah. Listen, there, there are several. There are several. So there's Leonardo, no, there's Raphael, there's Donatello, no, Michael because the other ones are all, into the, the other ones are all offshoots of those two ideas. I'm not doing this. Oh my I'm not doing this, oh you non-valid opinion-having ape. We're not ape. arguing time travel. We're talking about our favorite time travel movies. It's okay. So Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time. The we're film that, that, if we're being honest, maybe the broke the franchise. It sure did. I mean... It could 20, have been great. It took $20 million to make, and they only made $40 million. It was not a big box office. It's a And it was a wild departure from everything we knew about the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And 1 and 2 in general. Yeah, there was nothing like 1 and 2 at all. But they did go back to Japan, and there were some crazy ninjas that came to the, the present and tried yeah, to figure out the game with them. And let's not forget Casey Jones comes back after his disappearance in Turtles in Time, or Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. He was so gone. Explain. Great movie. I mean, this it's my favorite turtle movie of all three. Really? Yeah, it really is. So your favorite Mainly is the be, worst one? Yeah. That's I, fair. I don't... If you know me by now, which you do, you have I don't, no taste. I don't base my opinions on movies on what the critics and everybody else says. Right. I just like movies you, for myself. You base them on odd things like funny moments in the movie. Exactly. Like you can say I mean, it's the only turtle movie from my childhood that I, that I remember more than the other two. Okay, that's That's fair. fair. I, I actually, I like if I'm much. being honest with myself, I probably remember it the best. And I don't know if it's because I saw it when I was older, although I watched them all several times. But it is the one that sticks in my memory for some See, reason. See, for me, the first one, because I thought, you, for a little bit there, you think they killed Splinter? 
Remember when they all get to the yeah. farmhouse? Yeah, dude, when he's hanging from the chains. Right, man, that's dirty. Jesus. So, and Leonardo's all sad, and he's like, Splinter. Right. Splinter. You get all the kids running around. Your heart bleeds for the turtles. So, let's go, uh, Splinter. we're going to skip Corey DLG, Zach, number three. He wasn't ready for this. He um, wasn't. Okay. He wasn't. Before I give you my number three, I have two honorable mentions. I just want to mention them briefly. First of all, the movie Click with Adam Sandler is probably the most unexpectedly heart-wrenching movie of all time. I hate. I agree with this guy. It made me so upset and cry. Like, I really? for sure cried and teared up when I saw it. So that's my honorable mention. We yeah. don't have to talk about it anymore. Did you watch it? Is that why you paid No, I didn't pay to watch it. it was terrible. I didn't pay to watch it. Let's be clear. Okay. So I just want to mention that. Well, and let's it, be clear. You cried in click. All right. I'll I didn't ball in click. I, I tear up. I'm femme. I, I get choked up in movies. Things choke me up. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Okay. Uh, another good movie is called It's called Safety Not Guaranteed. And that's a good one. Right, and I went that's back really, really and I went one. back and forth on putting it on my time travel list really because movie. time travel and this is weird to say about a movie with time travel in it at all. Time travel is almost like a pl- a, a background plot device. It's not in any way integral to the plot. It could have been just as easily a guy is building his own van and wants some help, right? Yeah. But the fact that the in the in the ending of it it happens and it blows you away after everything else that's happened in the movie it's if you haven't seen it it's a great it's a great, great movie it's it's, it's out of nowhere it's the it's with the guy from the, the league. league and yeah. the guy from um a uh, new girl and it's the guy the girl from uh Parks and Rec Aubrey Plaza right I love Aubrey I do too this is on a, is this on Netflix it's on Netflix okay, okay. it's Dude, definitely worth watching I just to, just to be clear I read a an article today of like the top 15 time travel movies and that was in the top 15 it is it's, it's a really the good only movie. reason it's I didn't any movie about time travel right the only reason I didn't include it on my top three is because I don't feel in my heart of hearts that movie is about time travel okay all right so your number three okay so my number three is butterfly effect. I think it was a. I think it was a horribly executed movie. It was visually not pleasing. Butterfly effect one two three four. The five, first six. one. The first okay. one. I don't think there was. There's very little to say cinematically about it that was good. Which is funny because it was such a big deal because he directed and produced. It. Right. What, but what I loved about it is that it's such a brilliant concept for the idea of time travel, and it's one of the few movies I've seen where it really clearly shows the splintering time streams. It's always kind of referenced in time travel movies, and they're like, don't do this, it'll wreck everything. But this movie, it shows it, and it shows it again and again and again and again. That's what I liked about it. It's a good story. I can't say much for that movie. If it was a, if it was a book, I'd read the hell out of it. And maybe it is a book. I shouldn't say if it was a book. It probably is a book. I don't know if it is. It's probably a 12 book series. The movie was so bad that I didn't feel like reading for Right. And that, and I came away from it thinking that a little bit too, but the story is so You're solid. You're definitely right about like the time streams. Like, you know, I keep showing them breaking and breaking. It's always, in, in time travel movies, wrecking the time streams is always like this sword of Damocles over your head, right? right. Nobody ever does it, but everybody's super worried about doing it so much so that they don't carry it into the plot. But this one, they're like, yeah, we're, we're doing it. Right. It, this is it. This is what it's like now. Yeah. So that, that's why it's on my list. DLG number three. My number three, Time Cop. Time Cop. John Claude Van Damme. Really? Is literally tasked with going back in time. So time, they're using time travel to like help solve crimes. Um, and then there's like an evil senator. And the fun thing about this movie is the future is very much like our present, except the cars have destinations programmed in. Like he gets in the car and he's like, "Take me home." Yeah, and then he kind of like yeah. semi naps in the car. That's how things should be now. Right. Exactly. 
So, like, their their future wasn't so crazy. That was, like, an unbelievable future. You know how sometimes in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies you're like, that's never going to happen. John Claude Van Damme. Right. Well, and all of them. And all the action movies. No, I definitely show the think future. all the movies in the 80s and early 90s that predicted what time should be like now, they got it completely wrong. Right. And Time Cop is really, really close. And then, except for the fact that they just have this time machine in Washington, D.C. that people use. And then also the idea that if you bump into your past selves, you merge into this poorly CGI red blob that's and awesome. then erase from time was such a stupid thing that it was fun because that's how they get rid of the villain in the movie. They make him touch his past self, and now it's all over. All done. Right. And John claude Van Damme gets to keep his hot, big, big-haired 80s wife and the family <laughs> he never really knew. That's the thing about time travel that always throws me off. So you go back in time, you save the day, now you have, now you keep your loved one, and when you wake up the next day, you're back to the present, and now you have three kids. Like, do you immediately wake up and know their names? Or do you have to look at your wife and go, which, one's, this? which one's Billy? I don't remember any of this. Well, if you look at it like in the comics with Multiple Man, right? They send Multiple Man to the far future. When he dies there, his memories come back to his past self. Right. I imagine that when you time travel and drastically alter the future that way, you do remember it. But then when you look at movies like The Family Man, where Nicolas Cage wakes up in a different reality stream, right. he doesn't have that memory. Right, and John claude Van Damme wouldn't have that memory because, to him, this just occurred. He closed his eyes and opened his eyes, and now he's in a completely new timeline. So do those memories just magically, like, does your brain, like... How does your body then gain the knowledge of a world that changed around you? Maybe we should time travel. We can talk about... This is weird, but this relates to Dune. Another one of my favorite things. I do like Dune. In Dune... What? Dune, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like Dune. Oh my god. The books are awesome. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. I'm blown away. Yeah. I'm so happy. Anyway, in Dune, they clone dead bodies, right? Correct. And so, when they clone a dead body, when they awaken that dead body's clone, it gains the memories of the body it was cloned from. So, they describe it in the book as it merging memories. So, I grow up as a clone from a dead body. So, I have my memories from when I'm, you know, one or two or three until I'm 12 or 13 or 14. And then when they awaken the clone so it retrieves its old memories, it merges those two memories. So, that's what I feel like probably happens in that kind of circumstance. It's kind of hard to, like... It is. Out, right? Well, and it is in Dune. It is when it's right, addressed in right. Dune. It becomes hard to address and say, is this something I'm remembering, or is this something I'm remembering I'm remembering? The, the, my, the coolest thing about Dune was when uh, he's the prophet, and he's with the sand people, and he's about to have that knife fight, and it right. talks about he sees futures. Right. Since he's in a fight, he sees so many futures that he's almost paralyzed by it. Right, he's on the cusp. Yeah. yeah. We can talk, yeah. Cool. And Dune... Time travel, mental time travel is a huge theme that runs throughout Doom. Precognition and stuff like that. So there's a lot to be said for that and its effect on time travel. In fact, a lot of the feelings and theories and opinions I have about time travel come from looking at it from the other way with precognition and based on stuff from Doom. Right, yeah. So, okay, so three, I've never seen Time Cop. I have, but it's been a while. It's not like a great movie. You know it's not a great movie because John Paul Van Damme's in it. It's not a great movie by any stretch. Do you mean it's not like Street Fighter caliber? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I I saw another poll today. Top 15 video game movies, and Street Fighter was like in the top five. Are there even 15 video game movies? Sadly, there are a lot of video game movies. There there are movies you don't realize are based on video games. I guess. Uh, Rio was based on Angry Birds. Angry Birds is based on Angry Birds. Let's jump into number two. Okay. My number two is sticking with trilogy theme. Okay. Back to the Future Part 3. The Western. The Western. Really? I love the Western. That's actually the most Doc Brown you get. So that is kind of, if you like Doc Brown, that's your movie. I like Westerns. 
Obviously, me, Tupac, and Anne Frank jumping back into Western times. Right. So sure. Back to the Future 3. Back to the Future 1 and 2 are great on their own. but Except for the... the date rapey scene. Or really, it's just a regular rapey scene. Right. And then, you know, he hires Biff to work for his family. Yeah, right. Like, that's got to be weird for, for Miss Marty McFly, right? Right. That, that, hey, there's the guy who tried to have sex with me in, in the parking lot. But I guess the 1950s women were so used to that, like, yeah, culture of man. That's that just they, how it was. Like, we're not not being raped. Right. The guy who bags my groceries, maybe he'll rape me. Maybe he won't. That's rough. The Back to the Future 3, the Western one. It's I, my favorite of the trilogy. I, I do like, and I think Corey hit on it, I do like that that's the most time you spend and see Doc Brown like really develop as a character. It's almost like he's the main character. That of, is his story. And in the movie. other two, it's almost like you have to take it for granted that he's a genius. And obviously he is, right? He built a time machine. But like when he's in, when he when he's the focus, you see him doing all these things and building and the working towards all nice. these things. Yeah. Right. Like that, that I thought was always pretty cool. He's like cool the original it. steampunk guy. Yeah. He really is. He really is. Yeah. And then the train actually... Travels through time with dynamite, and it shows. That's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. The trilogy itself is fun because they do things like scenes from two and scenes from one play together. Mm-hmm. Like they they did yeah. a lot of fun things. They put a lot of thought into it, right? Sure, sure Those did. were not poorly made movies. Marty um, McFly, and the way they got him to stand still for so long is just really impressive. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Back to Future Three, my number two. Zach, your number two? My number two is a tie. And the reason I've... I'm so this guy's got two honorable missions. All right. Number three. It's like now he doesn't know what three is, but he's going to complain when I so divide did, by nine. So I'm bad with it. So what do you want from me? Two, we did the Netflix. We were supposed to have three. I think this guy had like six. Look, right. you guys invited me here. I didn't I didn't sneak in. Whatever. Well, you, you the reason that these two are a tie... And time I, travel. I want to be on the show again. Right. I, I, okay. Uh, bye. <laughs> I'll speak to these very briefly because it is a two-way tie. The reason that... come from the future to warn our past? The reason of them... I'm Corey. I've got jokes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Time travel jokes. <laughs> so future self goes to pass up with hair. It's like you gotta bring the back. Come back here. Right. Don't do this. Don't invite. All right, me. give us number two. For God's sake. Bender's big score and the Doctor Who movie where the Eighth Doctor is revealed as the War Doctor. Okay, but wait a minute. These are together because they're both TV movies. Uh, okay. All right. And, and broken into se- broken into several episodes, but they do equal about ninety minutes, ninety five minutes of film. Well, I believe the Comedy Central counts the Bender's big score and two other Futurama movies as one whole season. They do. They and that's how Netflix kind of does it too. But it's I've never all seen either one of these. Okay. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about Doctor Who. I pe- I feel like people have heard enough of me stumble through my unabiding love for Doctor Who. What I am going to talk about is Bender's Big Score. And I like Bender's Big Score for the same kind of reason that I like the butterfly effect. First, I love Futurama. I can't say enough great about it. And Bender's a great character. Right. What I like about Bender's Big Score is that he, without any concern for wrecking the past, continually travels back in time to steal. First because he's been compelled to by this group of aliens, and then then just because. Because he knows he can travel back in time but not forward, he keeps traveling back in time to bury himself in a, li- a limestone cave and steal <laughs> things and hold on to them, and he just continually keeps doing it. Like, there's no remorse, there's no thought to wrecking the time streams, there's nothing, there's nothing that concerns him, and then when the time stream... Yeah, he did. Sorry? So you identify as Bender. Yeah, for sure. So, so, and then the time stream splits, and they also, I think, explain it, and, and this is, I think, much more creative than maybe people have been given credit for, but they explain how paradoxes are corrected with time, time travel in the series, and basically what happens is, if you create a paradox, either something or someone will be killed or destroyed to correct it. So there's a ton of times when there's two fries walking around in the show, and then finally at the cusp or the climax of the show, 
the paradox fry dies. I think it's a really interesting and huh. unique look at how to correct time yeah. travel paradoxes by the universe self-correcting itself. Or you could just shove the old senator into the new senator. And, and then turn into a red. red, red yeah, sure. Well, yeah. So it's really just the theft of Bender that tickles me. Like, I think it's funny that he gives no concern whatsoever. I think we should get our artist to draw Zach as Bender. Oh, I think that would be awesome. That's nice. Ethan, make a note. I'm a Hoovian. <laughs> Corey, you're number two. Okay, so my number two is actually, it's barely touched on in the movie, uh, the prisoner of, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Nice. I like that Hermione has this whole other story in the book, and I actually haven't read the books, but when I saw the movie, I saw it with a friend of ours, and she was explaining to me while the movie was going on, she's like, there's so much I'm not touching on right here. And she basically laid out this whole subplot about the time travel of Hermione, and how right how she can barely see her in the movie, it's because she's so busy, because she's actually doing like... Yeah, like a huge she's doing a dual workload right. and like and yeah, in the books it's really touched on where they're like, how did you just get here? Right, and it's oh. because there's like ten of her because she's time traveling. Yeah, right, and so it's like a really brilliant thing in the books and in the movies they do a good job of essentially avoiding it and explaining it at the exact same time. Right, she's always stressed, she's always tired, and she's always everywhere, and you and they're always noticing it, but they're so busy with the other crap they going don't really, on, like they don't have time to get into it. But so, and that's another one where it dovetails nicely between different scenes, exactly, without like making it cheesy, exactly. And so, to me, I really liked it because that's a hard thing to get right to go. When you go from book to movie, there's already so much that's already hard to do, and instead of them like struggling really hard to make it correct, they just said, "Here's how we'll handle it," and they basically touch on it and ignore it at the exact same time, right? And that's probably the exact <clears throat> perfect way to view time travel from the outside. Like, if, if Zach were constantly time-traveling and us, we were dealing with him, we were like, man, what, what's going on with him? It would be weird. We wouldn't know what was going on, though. He'd have this huge, epic Bender score movie going on, and we wouldn't realize it. And at the very end, we'd be like, where did you get the, the right. King Tut's, you know, Right. Thing? There'd be nothing to address in normal dialogue between us until the end. Right. Right. George Washington's fake King Right. Oh, man, God. the time-turner pisses a bunch of people off, though. Really? Yeah, dude. Like, it pisses yeah. people right off in the Harry Potter universe. It sure does. And, and with good reason, right? Like, Dumbledore clearly has the stroke with the Ministry of Magic to get a time-turner. A lot of things could have been avoided, according to... Oh, because he could... Right. And there's two sides to it, right? It's like, they don't let the time-turner be used except for very extreme circumstances. You know, like a student wanting to take double classes. Right. Yeah, because that is so it, important. Right. So it, it really makes people upset. Well, but perhaps Dumbledore abused it to see the future and realize that uh, should Dumbledore survive, it's a far darker story. Maybe. Maybe so. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. because you can think about it. If he lives... Which is fine, but that's a lot of speculation. Right. But, I mean, you could draw this on. They do this fun thing uh, in comic books where they didn't kill Hank Pym, and then they do kill Hank Pym. And essentially, they had the writers of the Marvel Comics what go if? back and look at all the Hank Pym-centric events and determine a new outcome for every one of those stories. How would they have solved all those problems and then create that future world? So, Dumbledore sees a future where uh, the kid that's in the Snape school, the blonde pale one doesn't witness Dumbledore die, perhaps that isn't the stroke of conscience that he needs to start to develop back into a good person. Sever, uh, Snape. The, the Snapes, right. So then also, so bad at this because I, only, I haven't seen the movies in forever, uh, the one who just died. Uh, Alan Rickman, Severin Snape. Yeah, okay, Snape. So, okay, so that was his name. Okay. So when Snape does kill him, perhaps if he doesn't kill him, and Dumbledore lives, then Snape is exposed, and Snape dies, and he's not able to help Harry later. Right, there's yeah, there, there is. And there's a lot of stuff, and... and... 
people can explain their way out of it. It's just they're very the the Harry Potter fans are very very clearly divided on the time turner. No, oh, yeah. I can see that. I so. can see, anytime time travel gets involved with magic, though, like that's too many crazy that's things. Too much crazy stuff that could happen. Right. All right. So that's my number two. So we're gonna get into our number ones here. All right. All right. My number one favorite time travel movie: Days of Future Past. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. You yes. know what? I, I like this choice. Yes. X Men: Days of Future Past. It's one of the more recent ones of the other two that I've given. Correct. But it also does a brilliant job of tying two franchises together that kind of seem irreparably different. Yeah. What better thing than growing up on the X-Men. Right. And loving time travel. Correct. To love this story and to see it play out on the big screen. Also, I enjoyed this method of how time travel affects time. Like, the rule that he has to wake up in order for it to happen. Yep. It's kind of, it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun way to make time travel suspenseful, because essentially time travel really shouldn't be suspenseful, because you already know what happens. Exactly. I feel terrible for not including that on my list. Right. You should feel Well, right. it, you named 32 movies. No, but, but, but like, he nailed, he nailed it, your but the thing of it is, like, I don't feel like the time travel was a... A crux point of the movie. I think it's a crux point of the franchise. I don't know. I get because I, you do first. It's class. a plot device. Not only does it just reset the entire X Men universe, correct? But just the, the the comic book series that we read as kids and then seeing them on the big screen, right? Because Days of Future no, Past is I one get of it. the most important stories right. in X Men. I agree. I agree. And I read, and it was exciting to see it on the big screen. I don't know. It just I it bridged the gap between the first class, the first class, the first. Class. The first the okay, first all right. I, I feel sufficiently bad. You well, should feel sufficiently really bad. I do. I regret even bringing you on as a specialist. I agree. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I, because they brought you on as a Doctor Who. I get it. I get it. I'm I'm a horrible human being. Right. No, we did a vote. We're actually going to revoke the title of human. I wish I was dead. We're just going to leave you with me. <laughs> I wish I was dead. Okay, so Zach, let's jump in. You're number one. Okay, so I have four movies tied for number one. Oh, God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's terrible, right? You guys are My gonna... top three turned into a top 12. No, right. So my, <laughs> my, my favorite time travel movie, and, and I don't have a lot of backup or support for this. It's Star it. Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Okay. All right. All I, right. I saw, love it. I, I love it. Single be- Star Trek movie. Oh, you're new ones. Okay. Oh, your life is. I'm not a Trekkie. Your life so is here's, empty. Here's I'm the not premise. A here's the premise. You really shouldn't be a Trekkie. The old movies are terrible. Yep. I don't think they're terrible. terrible. That's a bold statement. The old TV show is terrible. The, uh, the old movies were just as bad as the no. old TV show on film. Nah, I disagree. Terrible. But anyway, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I'm not gonna listen to you, badmouth Leonard Nemo. Why? Because he's dead. No. <laughs> Angry Zach literally just broke. God. He just went from Bruce Banner to the Hulk in a matter of seconds. I'm so furious right now. <laughs> While he's collecting himself, I don't really know the purpose. I'm never no, coming. You really, do. you really do. It's, it's, it's really valid. Bad. So it's not. Bad. So the world is ending in the future where they're all from, right? Okay. okay. So they. So. Somehow they know we're having too much fun. That's not what. Somehow they know they need a humpback well. It's not uh, somehow. What? It's very clearly explained. It's not. It's, it's not. Oh my god! So, so literally, so literally, they need a humpback well song to save future Earth. That's it. That's they it. played a harmonica or a How, flute. No, no. They were like Link and played a flute. However, or Super Mario. All the humpback wells are dead. Hang on. All the humpback wells are dead in the future. He's not giving it right. Yes, yes, I am. All the humpback wells are dead in the future. And also, I'm pay, pee my pants. wait, stay with me here. 
Also, apparently, they don't have any MP3s of well singing, so they have to go back in time. <laughs> they have to go back in time and steal a humpback well. Because MP3s aren't available. Yet. It wasn't from a water park. It's it, not like they went to Splash Town to steal a humpback whale. They go. They go to Sea World where they have a. They go to Water World. They go to Water World. You're a terrible person. They go to some craptastic water park where there's a sick baby humpback whale calf. Not accurate. They None of what he's like saying is accurate. It wasn't a baby. It wasn't sick. So this is a Star Trek movie. And it's phenomenal. It's Star Trek in 1980s. Scotty and Vince Transparent Aluminum. Right. It sounds horrible. They it's so use, good. They don't know how to use computers. One of them That's really the, picks up a mouse and talks to it. No wonder Star Wars is it's so It's not that they don't know how to use computers. They're not. Oh, God. Right, well, he's collecting himself. Right. BLG, your number one movie. So that being established, Zach is terrible taste. <laughs> His movie's horrible. It's number one, so BLG. good. So my number one movie is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, that's, yes, Bill and Ted. That's solid. One. Bill and Ted's one or Bogus? No, no, Excellent Adventure, the first, the first one. one, not the Bogus. The, the reason one. why is because it's so clever. There's so many times where they're like, oh, because oh, it's Keanu Reeves, obviously. Well, obviously, but like they can't find Dad's keys for the whole front first half of the movie, right? And then it turns out it's because they stole them, right? <laughs> there's so many so times good. where they do so many funny things. They're like, we need a distraction right here, and then Bill looks at Ted and goes, Ted, remember, three <laughs> right. p.m. It's so five minutes from now. <laughs> We want the radio to go off. It's so accidentally clever, right? right? Like, it's just, yeah. It's so accidentally way better than Star Trek. Right, yes. Because we don't need a humpback well song. <laughs> we don't. Because the one Look, sound we're not talking about critical we success. We Genghis Khan. Right. And a bunch of old things. George And Carlin. Socrates. Oh, George Carlin, I forgot. Oh, Socrates. So great. We're like, no, dust in the wind, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a clever movie because there's so many little moments where they use just... Fun ways to get out of it. Uh, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Yes, it is good. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's one of my if favorites. If I would have had an honorable mention, it would which, which we don't allow, which we don't allow, it would have been time. That's weird. It would have been time because I spoke for my one and two. Okay, yeah. it would have right. been Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill yeah. and Ted's. Bill See, my it's also one of my very favorite time travel devices behind the TARDIS. Right, I like that like it's just a simple booth. phone booth where they call where they want to go, which is fun. I do like the idea though that. Time travel is such a uh, silly, far-reaching concept, and Bill and Ted's like, "Hey, let's just let's just steal all these different." Right. They leaned into it instead right. of trying to make a serious time travel movie. Which, if you step back and objectively look at it, it's like this is bizarre. Right. They're like, let's just lean into it and make it fun. Yeah, let's just do something crazy. So, guys, check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com/backslashNerdsLikeRadio. Drop us some of your favorite time travel movies. Don't talk about Star Trek because we don't want to hear Whatever. it. Whatever. Over the humpback whales. So it's gonna, so good. Go watch it. We're going to get out of so here on stupid. break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to have a special little segment that we recorded at Space Cadets. Yes, we're going to be at the Civil War OP premiere event. Yeah, we already have been there. We will have time traveled back to there. It's a gift from the, the future. future. That, stupid. That, stupid yeah, we need to talk about that. Want to check out what it's like to be on the radio? Need credit for school? For an internship? Then contact Dick online at dick.irlonestar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, and we are here to be part of the community. Welcome back, guys, to Nerd Thug Radio on Conroe's FM, soon to be 104.5, 106.1. Sister stations. IRLoneStar.com. Last segment of the show, we're uh, bringing it to you live from Space Cadets Comics and Collections, uh, the unofficial official hero click slash comic book store of Nerd Thug Radio. I am uh, Corey. <laughs> uh, we're sitting here with Corey DLG. I am uh, the Captain Joey Savage, and we have the games manager of Space Cadets here, B Mac. B Mac, say hi. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Brian McMeans. Uh, he is the game manager here at Space Cadets, 
and uh, he's going to sit in with us here as we uh, wrap up the OP event, Heroclix, that we played today, Civil War style. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Heroclix obviously being the game of choice for Nerd Thug Radio, what we do, they do yearly OP events where they release a special set that you can only get by participating in the events that they host. So this year the theme is Civil War, which is Cap versus Iron Man, which plays directly into everything we've been talking about all year with the movies and the comic books. We've been pretty Cap and Iron Man centric so far on Nerd Thug Radio. So it's just fitting that uh, HeroClix released an event just for us. I think they asked. They, they us pretty much, yeah. They wrote us a letter. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what do we, you guys want to see? We got the governor of Texas involved. We just settled it out. I mean, over the last years, though, this is probably besides the Age of Ultron last year, probably one of the events I'm, I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, just because of the storyline itself. Well, and Blackest Night wasn't for us. You and oh, I didn't really man. play Blackest Night and oh, enjoy so that one. Blackest Night was was my jam. Was I'm, it? Oh, that's. I mean, I'm, I'm a DC guy by nature, and Green Lantern and all that. So Blackest Night was was pretty awesome. Which is but, the total opposite for us because right. we're more Marvel. We're more Marvel. I did like the Green Lantern stories. My only trouble was. When you get into something like The Blackest Night, you kind of repeat. Like, yes, every, you know, there's six Lantern Corps, and they all have their own characters. But basically, you're just getting, because you want the elephant with the, with the blue ring, or you want the girl with wings with the red ring. But they all essentially do the same stuff. Although so, that, that event did bring a lot of meta batteries, figures, the entities. entities to the game, which are all uh, expired now, thank goodness. Yes. I feel like I have a fighting chance once more. <laughs> So they have a fighting chance once more. Well, now you just have to deal with the round table and the and the uh, the teleporter. See the yeah. round table. I I I don't I don't fear the round table. Uh, the Quinjet allegedly is pretty good, but I have it, and every time I use it, I get just smashed. So we'll have to see. Uh, Origins is coming up, so we'll we'll see some meta teams come out of that. We'll see what people uh-huh. are using. So yeah. it'll be fun. We'll see what the next trick is. Yep. <laughs> let's uh, let's get back into uh, the Civil War yeah, event. Yeah. So, uh, DLG, do you want to run us down kind of um, how yeah. the format goes? Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting um, concept here. What they're doing is they're releasing one booster, and the booster will have two pro-registration, two anti-registration, and one neutral figure. And so essentially what you're doing is you and your opponent are going to be picking a side, and then you get the figures from both boosters that play your side. So it goes as a battle royal. So there's four people playing on one map. Well, that's sometimes. That's actually that's we're how we're supposed jump into to jump into it here. That's, that's kind of the complaint of the format that we have here is, well, that I have at least, is it puts stress on the the place hosting the event because if you get a unique number of people, if you don't get a multiple of four, you're now stuck with well, who's how many LEs can I award? How many people can play? Someone has to sit out and wait. Like, what's the fair thing? What's the right thing? How do you handle all of that? You get eleven people who want to play an event. You should normally be happy. Well, it's just that you have right. just the fact check and make it clear. It's the suggested event from WizKids, not to say that the event has to run that way. So Correct. technically, you could run it where everybody picks a side and you just roll from there. Yeah. But you don't have to. But you want to you want to try and embrace yeah, no, the, but it, but the it, spirit but it's of fun. it. So right, a right. battle royal, you have four people on the map all at one time, all going against each other. There's there no allegiance. There can only be one winner who emerges. Uh, DLG, how'd you fare today? That's not fair. That's not fair. It's very fair. How'd you do today? That's a ridiculous question. Fourth I placed fourth. Placed fourth. Uh, zero points. Zero points. Uh, so he did pretty well today. Yeah. Pretty well. You know what happened? It's, it's the curse of Lumen. Every time I'm either across from Lumen or on the same side as Lumen, pretty much if Lumen and I are at the if, same if table. If he's involved. If right. So yeah. we're referring to our, our good friend Brian Lumen, who we've mentioned. Uh, friend he, of the show. Friend of the show who plays Magic. Yes, yes. Highlighted him in our Magic episode. Every time, I, every time I'm on the same side as him. He's got your number. across. Well, it's not even that he has He's my got number. Your number. It's that 
the Lumen Curse affects me directly. <laughs> the Lumen Curse. The Lumen Curse directly affects me. It's because he doesn't wear sleeves, and so you get... Just the brightness of the arms. Yep, You're just not ready for it. It just shines right in your eyes. But it's fun. There was four of us going, so... Oh, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. It takes a little time in between your turn and the, and the next turn, but uh, like me, I mean, I wasn't doing a whole lot of nothing, and then the very end, I just kind of snuck in and killed one figure and ended up second, so... Right. That, that was that, that was played out to my, my skills perfectly. <laughs> sneaking in? <laughs> to sneak in, yep. Yeah. Sneak in effect. And here, and here on the map that we played in our uh, what's called a pod, the four of us, uh, you know, it was three friends and someone we never actually played against before. A guy named Steven. Very nice young fellow. And he was really good. And so basically he had first locked up by like round three. Uh, the team he played actually was, was really solid. Now let's be honest, he only beat me by one figure. Well, but I'm, I mean, I don't I know. I just how many, want you to know that. How many points could that, does that figure have to be for you to catch up? 70. Because he, he killed a lot of people. He had a lot of kills <laughs> on the map. He did. <laughs> What's funny is he took out two of my figures and I still finished second. Well, because I, mean, I engaged him. You guys just hung back and did your thing and danced. And well, no, I held hands. I was stuck. Me and Steve got into it. I was stuck because Lumen did this weird like middle shuffle. You didn't get stuck. You just didn't feel like moving. No, I couldn't. He didn't move B. because B Mac. He didn't move. It's harsh. He didn't move. Being harsh. He is. He is. He likes to be critical when he wins. <laughs> because Which is so quite off. Oh please. Oh please. <laughs> I'm, as I'm literally about to say, which is never. He tries to say it's quite. If off. we go to our ROC records between Nerd Thug Radio, I am the la- the better of the three of us. Yep. I, I think true. you're being very specific with ROC because if we go by events, yeah, go on ROC. Okay. The last event, I think I outperformed you guys. No, we both finished two and two. Is that right? Yep. You got one by points. We both finished two by two and two. Okay. All right. All right. I'll let you have it. Thank you. Um, but I'm yeah, I got no, no, that's not why at all. So I got kind of stuck there because Lumen was across from me, and then you guys were battling out to my left. So if I get involved in y'all's combat, I'm giving Lumen the flank. So I have mm-hmm. to kind of be aware of that. And then also Lumen, I think he was just hoping to steal a, guy, a character yeah, off the other was. guy's backside. So he he didn't really engage. He just kind yeah, of he had one figure that he didn't even do. Anything with yeah, the he entire time. He just stayed in the back and hung out. Was that court jester? Yeah, the jester even pops off tokens, and he didn't even bother putting the token. He literally did nothing Pogs with the jester. Out, he just sidestepped a few times and left it alone. Let's get into some positive things about uh, this set, though. Like the, the dials, pretty vanilla. Going not vanilla, but it's going back to uh, yeah, it's very more original. Clicks. Click you, stuff. I was going to ask that question. We talked about this uh, last weekend at the ROC State event, where like some of the new sets coming out. It seems like they're trying to scale back. Uh, some of the powers and and the strengths because there for a while you were seeing figures with twelve and thirteen attack, nineteen and twenty defense, and and it just felt like everything was getting overpowered. Now it feels like they're kind of trying to pull it back and rein it in. Yeah, it bit. seems like it's going more back to a skill game as opposed to I can pull the super scroll and just no one can stop me. I can pick whatever right. I want to do. Like it's very much skill. Like even the bullseye character today, um, he's got a twelve attack, but he literally has no defensive modifier. So you have to be careful. He's all offense, him. not all, He's all offense, play. not defense. To where what BMAC is saying, a lot of the figures they released their middle a few years ago were heavy attack, heavy defense. You really couldn't do anything. To but them. They, they were also a lot of higher point figures yeah. too. A lot of times when you were doing these pulled events, you know, this where you have a sealed two boosters, and you were talking about a three hundred point build, you were doing a lot of two versus three figures, a lot of three versus one figures. Yep. You were seeing a lot of smaller teams, which was great because you have the reaction. Well, now you're seeing a lot of five and six piece teams. And so the flip side of that is now definitely strategy becomes much more relevant to the forefront of team building because, okay, I'm going to have five figures. I get three action turn. Now you start trying to use team abilities and stuff to kind of discount actions. I don't think there's a figure over 100 points in the set. Um, not that I've seen so far. I haven't seen, one. I haven't I haven't seen, one, seen one yet. I got some figures here in front of me. Yeah. Let me see. DLG looked it up as, as I keep going. But also we noticed there wasn't a whole lot of perplex. 
There wasn't a whole lot of outwit. Or uh, your no, necessary evil. There's no prob which I need right. for my rolling. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was, when I say vanilla attacking, I mean, I'm basically meaning whatever numbers on the dial. That's kind of what you're, you're stuck with. And it's a lot of, uh, Jordan mentioned this today. Uh, he said a lot Hal of... Hal Jordan from Hal Jersey. Hal Jordan from Jersey. Said a lot of 8, 10, 17 threes. Essentially 8 movement, 10 attack, 17 yep. defense. A lot of 10 attack. Um, now, the power still obviously makes it up. There's still a lot of... There's some cool traits in there. Still a lot of cool traits involved. That's actually what I was going to get to here is the lineup of these figures. It's not very large. So you're not going to see... Once all the characters have been revealed, you're not going to see a ton of different figures uh, in this set. It looks like I'm just kind of guessing here. It looks like about 35 figures that are going to be playable coming out of the boosters. Um, what I like, though, is they basically introduced two teams they haven't really focused on a lot, which is the Young Avengers. One of your favorites. Teams. One of my favorites. And then also Thunderbolts. One, one of my favorites. favorites. There, you, yes, so, there you go. But uh, the Thunderbolts actually kind of go both sets. They go Atlas, Songbird, Mach 4 from the old school Thunderbolts. Yep. And then also the villain set, like Radioactive Man, Venom. Bullseye. Bullseye. Um, Jester, although I don't remember him being a Thunderbolt. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember seeing Jester in comics, and I've been reading comics a long time. And then I think Jack Lantern also had the Thunderbolt keyword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, seen yeah. him in the Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. I like Jack Lantern. Oh yeah, yeah, he's just a cool character. I mean, he's a pumpkin head guy with flames coming out. Uh, is this because you have a pumpkin shaped maybe, so, maybe so? A connection to him? Well, we're, my family is big into Halloween. Not my whole family, but I thought you were about me and the wife family and, and the kids. Heads. They do have big heads. <laughs> my son's got a big noggin. But yeah, we he like really Halloween, does. and Jack Lantern kind of fits into. Uh, this is true. Also, there's a new warrior on here that I don't think has been in a set ever. Well, too, I guess, Microbe and Namorita. I'm trying to think of the last time Namorita was in a set. I don't even know if she has been. I don't think she has. The sculpts on all these figures. Super uh, cool. Super cool. Uh, just looking at some of the ones over here. The new Iron Man, the Spider-Man in the iron suit, squatting down, which is pretty cool. Goldbug's kind of... Even, yeah, Goldbug actually looks really cool, and then, then when you get to Rhea's play him, he's, he's, like, oh, he's, he's pretty horrible. Horrible. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't get <laughs> So one of the fun things about the Battle Royal event is... You don't necessarily walk home with whatever you pull. Right. Which, when you're doing the other events you've done in the past, you know, like Darren Fair itself, for instance, if you pulled one of the chase figures, you were you were awesome. Like, yeah, you were excited. More than likely, you were going to win. Right. Because they were, they were really good. And you were just bringing home a $50, $60 piece. Right. This, in the Battle Royal, not necessarily like that. So, you before you guys, you play, and at the very end, you put all the figures in the middle, and then you start with whoever won, and you just start, like a snake draft, pulling what you want. So... Even if you get into fourth like you did, I mean, you still walked away with figures that oh, absolutely. You, know, you built enjoyed. Little, you built, built your a little team. Avengers team there. I got to pick Iron Man, Scarlet Spider, the Wasp, Spider Woman, Vision. So, you know, you definitely you get to leave with a better option than just, oh, I open this pack and I get one or two things I'm happy about. Which is always the frustrating thing about a booster pack. The Especially issue, with my luck of pulling. Oh, gosh, you have the worst luck. You really do. I'm like, um, the best I usually do is the Common Prime. We, we really need to look at to find out if you've been like hexed or something at some point. Like, <laughs> I might have. Curse. I yeah. might have. I might have. Have you ever have you ever just crossed paths with like uh, you know like uh, the movie Thinner from Stephen King? I've uh, I did live a crazy life. So so somewhere there's a gypsy who's just like Joseph. It's probably from my like poker days. I beat somebody and they just hexed me from that point forward. Anyone from New Orleans? Anyone from New Orleans or uh, Dallas could have done it. But no, I, I definitely the format is a lot of fun. The battle royals are always fun. Typically, I do good in large maps like that when there's. A lot of chaos on the map. That's simply well, what I cool, do the best. difference in this one, though, is we weren't playing on a full map. The map is True. designed to keep uh, mm-hmm. things tight and keep the fight in. So your normal map has so many squares, and when you play the Battle Royal style, it condenses it down. So there's really not a whole lot of uh, slow playing. Play. Exactly. You play in some big ROC events. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like to turtle. Call them slow play. They hang back. and They get their one or two attacks that they, they need. And they run away. This yeah. one, there's four people on the map. Uh, within the first move, 
people are getting into it. Yep. Because literally, if you go first, once you move, your first round of immunity is over, and you're literally like 10 squares from the opposing team. And you're exposed. <laughs> you're exposed. So. You really are. And I like the flexibility of these maps. I was reading it before we got started, that it's got um, two sets of dashed lines at both ends. Yep. So you, And then another starting area on both ends. So you can play it as a full-size regular map, but then you can also condense it down, and it's built for a four-player map. So a lot. that's one of the complaints we've had when we try to do regular Battle Royal events here. So we don't have a lot of battle royal maps, right? Because uh, right. it, it works best when they're a, a perfect square, right? And so, essentially, these are squares. Yeah. These maps, after they cut off the sides there with those dashed lines, yeah. you are essentially in uh, a little bit elongated, but it's basically a square, and you each get a corner. Call that a rectangle? What? Geometry? I just looked that up. Did you? Yep. You Google it? I Google it. What's it like when your square is crooked? Call uh, it a, a special square. A special square? Yeah, a that rectangle. sounds right. That rectangle. sounds right. But so the, the joy is when you're on one of these condensed maps like this. It forces the players to get into it. You can't run and hide. You have to, which is why I think, honestly, the guy we played against today who got first place played so well is because the team was in sync. The Yellow Jacket. Yeah, he, he um, me and him had to swap figures. So he pulled some guys that went together, and then ended up the guys that I had went perfectly with the squad. So, so basically the end result all of a sudden is that Yellow Jacket's giving out these plexes to everyone within line of sight, and he wisely kept maneuvering his team in a way where everyone was... In the fight, but also still bunched together yep. so that he could give out those those perplexes to the entire squad. Energy explosion would be a huge uh, power to go. You know, and I got it with the Punisher about midway through the dial, and I was I, I suddenly wish I was on the other side of the map. I was like, oh, man. But you get where you are where you are, and you got to play it out. B-Mac, do you know when month two, what day that is? Uh, it would be the second Saturday in July. So it's going to be... So I don't know that off the top July, of my head. I think... It's going to be July 9th. July 4th is a Monday, so July 2nd yeah, is okay. Saturday, so That's 7 plus 2 is 11. Know, that was, that was July 9th, I think. July 9th, look at that. Okay, yeah, July so 9th. second Saturday. The, all of our Civil War OP events will be the second Saturday of July, except for uh, the last September. one, September. So I August can't remember will be the second one. why, but there's some... Oh, I know why, because uh, Amazing Houston Con is that weekend. Okay. This is the second Saturday in November, or uh, September, I'm sorry. Okay. So we're getting that is on July 9th. The second month will be here, and BMAC live streams a few of the matches. Uh, me and Corey DLG commentated one today. We got the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, fun with that. but I want to get into that. So we were watching this four-way match, and one of the, the players had energy explosion. Yes. And he came up. Two other teams were all bunched together. So literally, he could hit, he could hit two different people. He could have hit like 12 people at one time. Yeah, he, had two, it was, he was two targets. It was pretty awesome. It would have been double splashing here, left and right. And he missed. Yeah, missed would, by one. It would miss by one. It would have been great television. Right. It would. Have, it was really exciting because he was rolling an eleven. He needed a, a six. He needed seventeen or better to hit everyone. So he needed a six. Rolled the five. Hmm. But but just that off by one. I mean, he he targeted two. There was one, two, three. Yeah, could have been like twelve, four, even. five, six, plus the two. I mean, it would have been it would the people in the did middle. Did you get your math right? No, there would have been about nine people there. Yeah, it would have been it would have been pretty sweet. So. You guys check us out. We're going to be uh, back here again uh, for month two, and we're going to get some of that more WWE-style commentating going on. Absolutely, and I'm, ho- I'm hoping to see the rest of the figures on the set because we were actually kind of doing a mental checklist coming into this set here today. And, uh, that We still missed a few. We didn't see a few in action. Still missed a few, so hopefully we'll get those next time. we got about uh, ten more minutes left to go uh, in the segment in the show today. So, B-Man, let's talk a little bit about Space Cadets. Sure. Uh, you got some exciting things coming up here. Uh, tell us what you got going on at the store. Oh, First the- of all... Um, I didn't give the address out, so if you want to go ahead okay. and give the address to the Certainly. store out. Uh, it's 27326 Robinson Road. If you're familiar with the Wildlands, just take Wildlands Parkway over Top 45, and that becomes Robinson Road or a half mile down on the right, Plaza with Flips Gymnastics. 
Uh, right here in Oak Ridge North. I think everybody knows Flips. Next to Cho's Taekwondo. Cho's and Alliance Fencing Academy. So got a good got a good little plaza here. Fence? That sounds fun. Yeah, fencing does sound We should fun. do that next time. I feel like I'm going to lose it. Can, can we live you wear a mask? Does yeah, we can live stream some fencing. We can go over to the Taekwondo place. I can show them a thing or two. Yeah, that's true. State champion. That's true. They do that. BMAC, if you don't know, I take Taekwondo myself. Very cool. Through ATA. And I am the state sparring champion as of 2016 for the 30 to Very 39 nice. age group. Uh, shameless plug there. Hey, let's get back no, into... No, no. Okay, that's that's, you always got to be proud of your accomplishments. Let's, let's get back into uh, Space Cadets. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Um, so Space Cadets, we're over 5,000 square feet of comics, toys, collectibles. Uh, we kind of got our niche in the... The reason it's called Collection Collection is because we are a collection of collections. So like people that. would bring us like their old Star Wars and old G.I. Joe and Transformers type stuff. And so that's kind of where Miss Jen got her hook was bringing those in on consent assignment and people would come in like oh i remember my childhood doing this and so they'll pick up a few things every now and then and then we also host the largest pokemon group in i i thought it was the houston region someone corrected me and said it's actually the largest in texas that's awesome oh wow. uh, so you know on any given wednesday we'll have 40 to 50 kids and adults and you're yeah because you'll have two separate one for kids one for adults right no it's all no, together, it's all right? it's all mixed wednesday nights it's just open and that's why pokemon i can't play, play card games right there because if I lose to an eight-year-old and I spend one hundred fifty dollars on Pokemon cards, Sadie would destroy it. Table flipping, Sadie Savage would. One destroy of our power bombing. One of our uh, customers, actually, his son—I uh, can't recall exactly how old he is—he just went to uh, a state championship. I want to say it was Louisiana, Louisiana or Georgia. Uh, he went to a Pokemon state championship and won. That's awesome. Wow. So that's, that's awesome. pretty sweet. So yeah, so lots going on, and uh, obviously we host the Heroclix. Uh, we do. Star Wars X-Wing, Armada. Uh, we have been starting Magic now. Uh, we've been doing that since January. Uh, How's it going? It's slow, and, I, and I'll tell you why. It's because, A, people know us as a Pokemon store, right. and that's fine. Uh, but, B, we are we are counteracting five years of telling people, no, we don't play Magic, and no, we don't carry Magic. And, and so trying, now, all of a sudden, it's, it. hey, in January, we, we started carrying Magic. And, right. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a hard it's hard to get over. The hardest thing people always screw up, I feel like, in business is yourself. Like, mm-hmm. your own mistakes. So now... Not necessarily a mistake, but you had one policy, and now you got to right. try and reverse course. That's always the hardest because people would just seem to remember. Well, no, I went in there once; they right. didn't have it. Right. So, but I tell you, the advent of social media has really helped out in that because we post on all the groups. You guys know that we post yep. on all the HeroClix groups. We post in Magic groups and all the Star Wars groups, and so that's kind of helped get the word out. We play on Thursday nights for Magic if anyone's interested. But one of the things that we're we're working on, we had a cafe over in the back corner. Unfortunately, they decided to, to close up. We tried getting someone in there to replace it and just couldn't get the right fit. And, you know, we're, we're losing, we're not using the space for anything. So we're essentially losing money on it. Right. Because um, you pay a rent uh, square footage. Exactly. So that all is getting torn out. And we're going to be moving some, some of the toys and shelving around. And the whole front area of that store by the windows is now going to become Space Cadets Gaming Game. That's awesome. And so we're going to get about 400, 450 square feet of dedicated gaming space. Now, you know, the folks at home can't see, but we do have two rooms. Where we do gaming now, but they're also doubled as birthday parties. We do homeschool classes here. Uh, we have several art classes that come in and meet. And um, so you're going to for some modeling, though. Exactly. Okay. All right. Just keep my. So what we're kind of getting to here is Space Cadets is a community store. Absolutely. It's not just comics. They do, like you just said, they do homeschooling stuff. They do gaming. Uh, they've got toys. It's your it's you're your summer heaven. programs. Yes, we have summer uh, camps. Summer camps. Uh, you know, we have we run two, sometimes three a week, and it's four hours where you can drop your kids off. They get a uh, great activity. 
they're cared for, they get food. So yeah, we're, we're definitely very community. We go make some babies just spring Definitely, yeah, off. definitely community. And also, one of the things that I've noticed you guys do, y'all, y'all show up at a lot of the school fairs and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the trade shows and stuff, yep. and advertise the show. So if you're in the area, you're looking for a family oriented uh, comic book store. This is the place you should go. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. It's kind of funny. Um, I mean, I've been coming to Space Cadets now for five years, maybe. Yeah. About five years now, I've been buying my, my comics here and, and bringing my kids here. And we always, he always tell a story. Uh, we went to uh, Comic Palooza about five, six years ago, and you tell, you told me he's like, we gotta go find these uh, this store because it was uh, Miss Jen and right, another right. lady was with her. He's like, it's a lady who owns a comic book store. Mm-hmm. Like, how cool is that? I'm like, no, that's that's very cool. And we met Miss Jen probably uh, five years ago and mm-hmm. started coming in here and. You've been coming here ever since. When I, yeah, and when I first walked in here, actually, it was about half the space. Mm-hmm. But I was just amazed at just the sheer size of the di- different collections and stuff. Kind of, uh, kind of impressive inventory. Definitely, you walk in here and you're like, okay, these guys kind of, these guys have everything. So if I'm looking for it, they're gonna have yeah, it. Yeah, there's something you're looking for. It's definitely you're definitely gonna find it here. Yep. And if you don't have it, chances are somebody will bring it in for a consignment sale at some point. And so <laughs> we do keep a wish list program. If there's anything y'all are. Uh... And that's bought some crazy stuff here. I, I came in one time and you guys had one of those old school movie frames with the light up glass. It was up in the front where you got to do it. Oh, hate. the marquee. The you marquee. bought the marquee. I bought the marquee. I came in here with my wife one day. She is not the nerd. Mommy Savage is not the nerd. No. I am. Oh. But she comes with us and she saw that and it was right around Mother's Day. And she's like, I want that. I was like, okay. And so the next day I drove back over here and I picked it up and it's in our house. And uh, That's very cool. It's very awesome. I mean, it's it's her niche is just... Creative stuff, vintage stuff, crafting, and so uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And uh, you know, I, my daughters come up here to some of the Pokemon camps. Anything cosplay stuff? You guys sell uh, Warbler, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're right. one of the few retailers in the states that actually carries Warbler on the shelf. Costume material. Warbler is a material you people use to cosplay. It's, it's, uh, very, it's uh, a it's a heat malleable substance. Very so malleable, yeah. They uh, you get like a heat gun from. Uh, from or something like that. You heat it up and then you can shape it. That's how they make those armors and well, pieces. Well, Miss Jen actually made. She just made a Winter Soldier costume and she made the entire silver arm completely out of out of Warbler. It's pretty ah, sweet. All right. Okay. If you haven't seen the okay. uh, the pictures, she is uh, on Twitter. Miss Jen is. Mm-hmm. What's her handle? Uh, Commander King. Oh, Commander King. Commander King. Yep. So if you're on Twitter, Commander King. She just posted a few pictures. You can see the uh, the Winter Soldier. That's pretty you know, impressive. And it's pretty she awesome. actually won. I love plugging. Miss Jen and everything she does. She won the 2014 San Diego Comic Con Masquerade Contest with her Galaxy Quest. This this guy right out here, the the big Thermian, really that was part of it. <laughs> and she made she was actually Saris. She really? made the Saris costume. They made that and all the costumes that went like they made the entire uh, cast uh, from Galaxy awesome. Quest and they won that. Miss Jen's a pretty uh, interesting person. If you don't know as well, she was on the TV show Comic Book Men. Have you seen that episode? I did not. I did she was on it. Comic Book Men. Um, which is pretty awesome to see. She she hid it from people for for a good while, and then I think the week before she she released something. She like, did release that she was going to be on there, but yeah, that was actually filmed. Oh gosh, I want to say even last summer. Yeah, like she was, went out to Baltimore last summer or late, maybe in the fall. Redwood and recorded that. Red Bank. Red Bank, right? Red yeah, Red Bank. Bank. Red Bank, New and Jersey. Set on that forever. Huh? Yes, yeah. she did, and it was painful. She couldn't even tell the employees. She told the employees that she was going out there, but she was not allowed to talk about what they did. 
uh, you know, all the stuff that she got to do. You have to, you have to interview, right, to be on that show or audition of sorts. Well, and, and it's, it's kind of like yes. it's not like you just walk in one day and like, exactly. Oh, hey, you're filming. You're, Exa- on, you're on the show. Can you today. believe that the stuff that people bring in is not like like just off the cuff, off the street? They actually rehearse that stuff. Can you believe it? Yeah, weird, right? <laughs> anyway, um, how that all came about was uh, last year uh, when Secret Wars was released, we commissioned artist Mike Mayhew to do a special Space Cadets variant cover for Secret Wars number one. What we did is we modeled it after the comic book men poster. So you know, I have Kevin Smith kind of. Uh, looking yep. over everybody, oh, okay. we yeah, did yeah. it with the women of Marvel. So we had Spider Gwen looking out. We had Miss Marvel and Lady Thor and all that. Um, <clears throat> and so at Comic Palooza last year, we took six copies over to the Comic Book Men booth because Ming and Mike were there. and they were all there. Two years in a row, they'll be there again this year. Yeah, we actually, I said it on one of their panels. Uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot fun. Of fun. Yeah. To so we took them over there and we personally presented each one of them their own copy of that and just kind of struck up a conversation. Uh, and Miss Jen and Ming share messages back and forth on Twitter, but it was great. I mean, I got to meet Brian Johnson and, and Ming and, that's cool. That's really um, cool. Oh, I can't, Mike Zapsick actually photobombed. I was taking a picture of Ming and Miss Jen and Mike Zapsick was coming through the curtain. He totally photobombed that picture and didn't mean to. So we got a few minutes here. Yeah. I just want to say that about Mike Zapsick. When you see him on the show, he seems like the friendliest, like well-mannered guy you've ever met in your life. But do you remember from the panel? Yeah. He is not like that in person. No, no, oh, man. No. The panel, I mean, he was, I mean, we won't get into it, but you know, he's just, Dropping crude jokes and uh, he's, he's pretty surly. It's funny. It's he's nice, hilarious. He's surly. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah like, okay. it's pretty yeah. awesome. So overall, uh, you've been host. You guys have been hosting HeroClix events now for several years uh, since 2012, including some of the bigger ones like the ROCs and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those regional open qualifiers and mm-hmm. things like that. I noticed this year moot. What were some of the backstage things? You're talking about uh, the state. Last year here, uh, Space okay. Cadets hosted the yeah. WizKids State event, and mm-hmm. this year you guys had it at uh, ACOM. At ACOM, which is an anime convention in Dallas. I know it's kind of outside our, our our target audience. There were two things that we were hoping to accomplish there. One, there's a lot of folks that do travel uh, good, distances. Fr- good distances, a lot from Dallas that want to come down, but a three-and-a-half-hour trip is a long way for Houston. So we wanted to bring something to the Dallas area to kind of help out those guys. You know, we, we do a lot here for the Hero Clicks community in Houston. We want to try and show some love to Dallas as well. Uh, the other part of that was we did want to try and reach out and, and grab a new crowd. So uh, we did it at Akon at the behest of another venue up there who we've partnered with in the past. Which venue is that? Uh, that is Roll to Play. Roll to Play. Okay. Uh, another female-owned uh, okay. game store. So real wow. good friends with, with her. That's Tiffany. Um, she asked yeah. us if we would come and host it there. I agreed uh, with the intention of... The, the event was held on Saturday. On Friday, we would demo the game all day and try and bring people in. Now, you might be thinking, okay, ROC State, that's a pretty competitive event. Right. Yes, but we did a ton of side events. Again, the intention was to show the people the game, the game, then get in there and say, okay, here's some side events. While this is going on, check out the people who are playing in the state event and show some big, big-time competition. Okay, right, um, that's interesting. I like that. I, I caught a lot of flack, <laughs> and, and that's fine. I'm a big boy. I can take that. I do feel bad for the Houston crowd that did not make the trip, but uh, I will say we had nine that actively played in the ROC State, and we had a fantastic time. Uh, the Uncanny Clicksmen, who live in the Dallas area, they were there. They yes, were there. Yeah. All four, well, four of them. Uh, Zach, Zach Coffey, Zach Coffey, Jake Cockrell, Mike Eskew, and Charles Garst showed up. Fantastic guys. I love them. They're a lot of fun so to be much. They really are. And uh, Jake Cockrell, that was his first big event win, like big tournament win. He always gets knocked out in like the top six games like that. So to see him win at, uh, an event like that, 
even at a small turnout. I mean, everybody had a great time. There was no drama, uh, and we played a lot of side events. And we were there until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, still wow. playing. Awesome. So it was a lot of fun. And if if we are graciously awarded uh, the state again next year, rest assured we will do it at a venue, whether it be here or at someplace like World of Play, but we will bring it back to a venue. We'll not, yeah, not take it back account. to a convention. Yeah. Unless it is included in the price of the badge. Nice. That was right. our biggest thing. Right. So I apologize to all the Houston players, and I think I addressed it on the boards yep, you did. as best I could. It's Sometimes, just though, you, hindsight. you take a swing on something new, it doesn't work out. Sure, yeah, you, you got to try to do stuff. I like how you said, you know, bringing in new players. That's always the ultimate goal, because if you get a locked-in crowd, as things go on, as time goes by, those people are going to fall off right. anyway. No one consistently does something all the time. And we, so you always want to open up the new And goals. we did. We showed the game to probably a dozen or so new people on Friday, and they ended up coming back on Saturday and, and purchasing a ton of the product that I had. So, so it worked. Wrapping us up here, yeah. probably 30 seconds or so, how overall do you feel like this event went? Are you looking forward to, to the rest of the OP event? I think this event went great. I have to give major props to Austin Googler, uh, who is taking over the judging uh, at, at the venue here. I'll kind of still be like a back-end facilitator and media coordinator and all that. Uh, he did a fantastic job today. He did. He did very everybody. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Really, it and, you know, a it's, a, it's a hard thing to kind of let your baby go. Yeah. Um, so it was really hard for me to sit back and not do do that today. But uh, I, I think people were looking for a change and they liked it. And well, it, it, again, we had an odd number today. We had 10. And then that was, it still worked out really well. Uh, so I think I think it's going to go well. I, I, this OP event is exciting to me. I like that they're trying a different format. I'm excited to see what, uh, what comes next, and thank you very much for the space today. Thank yep. you. BMAC, thanks for having us. So oh, that's going to end us today. July 9th, uh, month two, we'll be here at Space Cadets. Correct. For Nerd Thug Radio. I'm well, before we go, we do want to make sure everyone knows the ROC is going to be a comic palooza. Yes. Super um, It's 300 point modern. Uh, next, it'll be Saturday. It'll be this, Saturday. This coming Saturday. And then also Sunday, they're going to have three on three team events. We want everyone to come out there, have some Ooh. fun. Yeah. It'll if be, I wasn't working our booth, three on three team events on Sunday. I'll be working the booth. Get us up. Get the bullpen. All right, guys. So for Nerd Thug Radio, I'm the Captain Joey Savage, sitting here with my uh, co-host and my tag team partner for the unofficial official Texas Tag Team Hero Clicks Champions. That's right. We win it all. Corey, Corey DLG. And our special guest at the end of the show out, uh, BMAC. BMAC, say bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. For more information on this show and other shows on Lone Star Community Radio, check us out online at IRLoneStar.com. If you're interested in sponsoring a program on Lone Star Community Radio and reaching the local audience of Montgomery County on FM, Internet, TV, Media, please call 936-647-5747 or contact us online at IRLoneStar.com. This recording is a Lone Star Community Radio production produced by the show host and Dick Schischler of Lone Star Community Radio. Interested in volunteering as a music DJ or starting your own talk show? Contact Dick Schischler at D-I-C-K at IRLoneStar.com or by phone at 936-647-5747.